start on high. Welcome to the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name is Kevin. And I'm Daniel. And this is episode 40. God damn. Right? Save Room 40 hands. Right? Over two years. Actually, did we pass our two years? Uh, yeah, it would have been, I think, end of August, early oh, September. Oh, shit. Probably got to get to an episode about that or something. So... I had the idea, mm. and you kind of responded to it very well, um, that one day we would do an anniversary episode, but we kind of just get to do it whenever because people don't know when our two-year mark was, so we can do it in December. We just make it up. Yeah. Fucking, our two years, October 1st, guys. I almost wish it was like in October, though, because like yeah. Halloween is kind of our like big, big save room feel, big save oh. room mood, if you will. Okay, so apparently, what, Friday was the first day of fall? Hallelujah. Officially? Yeah. Fa- <laughs> what? Yeah. Actually, no. Friday was the 21st day of September. I will never forget. Always remember. <laughs> As Earth, Wind, okay. and Fire has uh, instilled in me. But yesterday, the 22nd. Perfect. Was the first day. Of I used it as an excuse to start playing spooky games. I was like, "It's it's officially Halloween." <laughs> Don the pumpkin. It is here. Yeah. So I streamed on Friday night. And I was, no, 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 I was streaming yesterday on Saturday, and I was just like, hey, it's going to be fucking Resident Evil 4. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Resident Evil 4 all the way down here. I got to tell you, I still, for as many times as I've played that game in my life, which is an A embarrassing lot. amount, it's still fun. The pacing is so good. The action's still there. Sure, the controller, the controls are clunky. I'm, mm-hmm. I'll admit that to you. That's fine. I'm used to clunk in Resident Evil. That's okay. true. It's kind of known for its funk. Yeah. But this one's not that bad. I got to tell you, it's still pretty fucking fun. So I'm going to probably work through the campaign. Uh, Twitch.tv slash The Red Herb. <laughs> I did I did front, front-loaded front housekeeping instead of end-loaded housekeeping. Um, we do it wherever we feel sometimes. We're, we're very right. in the moment. Mm-hmm. Very we, we always say this is like kind of like jazz, you know, improvisational, right. wherever it feels right. Get in the pocket with it, man. To be completely fair, I would say uh, doing an amateur podcast is no different than jazz. It is absolutely same mechanically. Uh, <laughs> as, somebody <who laughs> study, as somebody who studied jazz and composition yeah. in, in college and is doing an amateur podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're one and the same. He's inclined to agree. <laughs> so let me ask you real quick, uh, since yes. you are the Resident Evil hard body in the room so yes, across am. the gamecube ps2 ps3 ps4 how many times have you bought resident evil 4 how many times have you played it oh, let's work through this so definitely got it at release okay. on the gamecube i had to um pretty much flip the sofa cushions for some cash because i was 14 when it came out mm-hmm. did not have a job uh i got but i somehow got the steel book edition from gamestop it's a really shitty tin case but it came with like i think a lenticular oh of like ada flipping you off or something like that bring lenticulars back yeah 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 and then it came out on ps2 i eventually got that edition and that included ada's side content a lot of ada love in the part four mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna come back to ada later in this show i, I think i remember you. some of her side missions in the ps3 port yes because they it, that was actually uh the ps2 edition with all the extra shit okay which cool. is great but they uprest it then it came out on the wii I'm probably skipping the original PC edition, which I think was garbage. Mm-hmm. Original PC edition sucked. Uh, came out on the Wii, and it came out on mobile. <laughs> there was a mobile edition. Really? Which was ridiculously bad. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm glad and, I missed that. And uh, there was the skipping Wii U. Then there was the PS3 360 PC HD edition. Mm-hmm. And then it was ported over to Xbox One and PS4 and PC, and it is the HD edition again. So you've probably bought this game no less than eight times. Uh, 
we're at five. Okay. Now I will buy it again for the Switch if it comes out for the Switch, and uh, I'm demanding it. It's not just me too. Uh, what's his name? Steve Gaynor took to Twitter a couple weeks back. I saw and said like, "God damn it, put this game on the Switch." I mean, it would make sense with the amount of Capcom support we're seeing for the Switch. Why not yeah. do it? You've already mm-hmm. done us the justice of putting Revelations one and two on there. They did indeed. Mm-hmm. They did indeed. I was thinking about that while I was playing it on stream. Nintendo and Capcom had a very interesting relationship in regards to Resident Evil for a little while mm-hmm. there, because RE four and the remake both came out on GameCube first. Zero came out on yeah, GameCube first. I that one. Very intrinsically into intertwined. Just just fun. So that's why it's weird that you know. Just pour all those fucking games on the Switch. I'll get them again. You really will, though. I'm sick of the head. You have a dedicated Resident Evil folder on your PlayStation 4. I do, indeed. It's beautiful. Yes. Second only, or I'd say the only thing second to that is your Soulsborne and Souls-like folder. Mm, that's a beauty, too. It's a good one. Really shines. Um, Daniel. Yes, Kevin? Daniel. Hmm. I just wanted to, real quick, um, I read a review online okay uh for a new game that came out and i wanted to give you an excerpt from it sure it's actually a game called president toad oh my God. and um the reviewer stormy daniels has this to say i lay there annoyed that i was getting fucked by a guy with yeti pubes and a dick like the mushroom character in mario kart it may have been the least impressive sex i'd ever had but clearly he didn't share that opinion and uh she actually gave it a uh, 4.75 out of 10 you can find that review on ign coming to the switch right uh yeah Actually, I think it's just 3DS. Fuck. Oh, no, 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 sorry. It's just 2DS. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up and saw all that shit on Twitter, and I was like, what's happening? Yeah, oh, so no. if you if you don't know, I, I guess recently uh, Stormy Daniels, when she was detailing the allegations against... It's in her book, actually. Uh, oh, it's in her book. Yeah, yeah, she, she was detailing uh, the <laughs> allegations against Trump. She basically uh, compared his penis to a uh, toad. Toad from, from the Mario series. She she didn't name Toad, uh, but she she described him. Yeah. And I got to tell you, that's um, that's information that I am delighted to have, but mm-hmm. also probably could have been fine without. I think Nintendo was stoked because they saw like Toad and Mario like trending that day, and they're like, "Oh, what's going on here?" And they're like, "Oh, geez, all these pictures of Toad without his hat, looking like a phallus." Yeah, but like <laughs> whoever is running the Nintendo accounts has to be used to this by now yeah, because probably. as I found out uh, from Tumblr, my Tumblr era, Tumblr era mm-hmm. um, people want to fuck Nintendo characters, and I'm pretty sure that every time they're just like, "Oh, check it out!" While you Luigi, while you Luigi, while while Luigi is taken to the tennis courts, and people are just like, "Cool, drop his pants and show yeah. his dick." I, I want to see, see him ground pound <laughs> Wario. I want to see his purple pubes. <laughs> And I want to braid them with my mouth. By the way, bring Animal Crossing to the Switch. <laughs> fucking Christ. Damn, we start these episodes hard. I'm we, sorry, we guys. We do. We really, really do. Um, okay, so you've been playing Resident Evil 4. Uh, and I beat Tomb Raider. Uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. My, my foot is in my mouth because I think last week I said you wouldn't beat it. Yeah. I'm and, proud of you. And incensed, mm-hmm. I beat it. Good. So you <laughs> I, were playing this uh, exclusively on stream all week, right? Until Yeah, I was. Up. I was. Until until very recently. So I um, the last time I streamed it, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll stream it tomorrow. And then I played a little more that night. And it was like, uh, by the way, this is a point of no return. Uh, you're about to beat the game. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I was just like, whatever. I did mm. it. Beat the game in an hour. Story got a little better, but I, I'm still just not there with it Mm -hmm. uh really just missed the landing for me i will say overall it's it hits all the beats that you would want from it 
maybe a little too mechanically because it is a perfect perfect replication of uh crystal dynamics first two games mm-hmm. tomb raider and rise uh like i even said i wouldn't have known that uh crystal didn't make it yeah that itis montreal developed it so that's that's a compliment in their corner but the one thing that i really desired at the end of it was i wanted less story in this game the times that I enjoyed myself the most in that game were plundering tombs, doing stupid side quests, talking to villagers. I really do like how they implemented the the little hub towns mm-hmm. like between each area, somewhere you return and kind of like chill out. Because it's not at. so much like a large open world; they're just like hub worlds and then like closed circuited areas in between. Essentially, okay. yeah, but they're all they're kind of split, but they're part of one larger map. Okay, but you there's a, a very um, kind of stark transition between each area. Yeah, I remember a bit of that from Rise. Yeah. And the first one had a little bit of that towards the end when you get towards, like, the Maroon Beach. Mm-hmm. And you're doing, like, quests for, like, Jonah and co. So Jonah. <laughs> Fucking Jonah. I love it in this game. Like, every time that you, like, in a story mission, get to a tomb, you're just kind of like, all right, Laura, I'm going to hang out outside and make sure nobody comes and disturbs us. And it's like, okay, cool. That just means, like, the, you know, you can't be chilling with me and doing platforming yeah. and shit. I was shocked at the end of the game when he was like, yeah, I'll go down there with you. I'm like, are you, are you okay, Jonah? Like, <laughs> you feeling sick? Are you sure you don't want to, like, guard the front door? Are, are you Jonah? <laughs> I want to know what Jonah's stake in the series at this point is, because mm-hmm. I feel like he is just mirrored in whatever Laura's doing. Yeah, I'm not sure. As being the sole survivor of, like, a 14-man crew from the first game that <laughs> yeah. got fucking either shot up by pirates or decapitated by Japanese ghosts. Uh, ghosts. <laughs> There was a whole, like, supernatural, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, that fucking Covenant moment where there's, like, spirits (laughs) and, like... The Ark of the Covenant opens up, people's faces melted. Jonah's the guy just hanging out outside while that happens. (laughs) (laughs) Holding the door down. And I have to wonder, it's like, I feel like there'd be an improvement in this man's life if he just kind of didn't chill with Lara Mm -hmm. anymore. Because maybe it's Stockholm Syndrome this dude has. (laughs) He's like, yeah, Lara, let's go to the ends of the earth and fucking go open up this ancient tomb that's filled with spikes and traps and bones and and viscera <laughs> like jonah why dude why go, go be like a fucking field guide or something yeah i'm sure you have a lot of credentials to your name you probably have a, a very good um archaeology major and masters even <laughs> yeah get away from her oh my God. but yes overall like it's it's a mechanically sound uh-huh. game but it just doesn't feel it doesn't have the same inspiration as the first two mm-hmm. games it doesn't feel as inspired um, i'm sure itis would not appreciate you saying i want less story from this game no i would agree <laughs> and i'm hoping that but but that's the truth of it mm-hmm. though the when I enjoyed myself the most was when I was just going after my own goals. Yeah. It's like, yeah, why not? I'll go see what the fuck is in this crypt. Usually it's the same collectibles, but it, it that, that sense of discovery and curiosity is fun, and it's kind of mentioned in the game, but the main story is so overbearing with this Mayan apocalypse mm-hmm. business that it's all anyone talks about. It's the only propellant for the story, and you just get very... You just don't feel like there's time to relax when the story's barking at you the yeah, entire time. Yeah, it's like too much of a sense of urgency that's permeating mm-hmm. all the NPCs in the world you live in. And I hear even like um, on the loading screens, it basically charts your progress, basically where the sun is in terms of the apocalypse. Did not notice that. Yeah, wow, really? I think I was reading um, Michaela's review over at Obelisk, and she mentioned that like across the loading screens, as you get closer to the end of the apocalypse, because it's like what a solar event where the sun is supposed to explode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as it gets closer, you gotta save the sun. That's yeah, all they talk about. It essentially about. reaches like that sort of dusk point where it goes down. 
Okay, yeah. cool. Did not realize that. That is pretty neat. I mean, there, there's there's a little bit of love baked into this game. It's just that they hem so closely to the formula that mm-hmm. it feels, uh, guess what? Formulaic. Yeah. Uh, I want a shake-up in the next one. I want a bigger sense of adventure because I'm really enjoying the game now mm-hmm. that the story is the fuck out of my way. And that's not the intention, but it is something that maybe they should pay attention to. Yeah, I, I had that same problem with Rise where like I thought the story was like, it was mediocre at best. Mm. I, I thought like the whole Trinity arc was a vehicle to just get me through and see different parts of the game. But I was really along for the ride of the exploration and the tombs. And then you told me by the end of this mm. game, essentially, you get to the point where it seems like she's kind of done with chasing her father's work and more mm-hmm. settling into the idea of just being like an adventure right of her own volition. Yes. And I, I hope that opens the door up to like, you know, them bridging the gap between what we knew of Laura and the original PlayStation trilogy and what they've done with this kind of like origin trilogy is what they call it. Mm-hmm. So I want to see her full on become that, but not really be bogged down by these big villains, like the fucking religious cult thing that we've got in the last three games. Like it got tired by rise, man. So I'm and we've glad. already kind of seen that um, echoed from uncharted, like mm-hmm. doing weird supernatural mm-hmm. organizational. Too arcs. familiar. Yeah. Too familiar. But I, I'm hoping I still like the series. I don't want to see it die. And I know that sales might be a little rocky right now because mm-hmm. they released at a very precarious time with Spider-Man, especially coming out and fucking murdering it right now. Yeah. Um, when but, you have two kind of similar like open world type games. Right. But overall, my opinion was much harder going in because the story was smacking me around mm-hmm. and I wasn't really vi- vibing on some of the choices. But now just kind of going after my own pursuits, cleaning up some of the collectibles and stuff is the most fun that I've had with the game. So I can still say, like, it's a solid recommendation if you like the series. Mm. For sure, okay? I'm still pretty stoked to check it out once you're done with it. Yeah, yeah, So. Yeah. I want to hundo percent it. You gonna hundo percent it? Nah, I don't know. I do appreciate, though, that by the end of the story, you're usually sitting around, like, 60% in terms of trophy completion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the rest comes from just kind of, like, meticulous gameplay things, like, headshotting x amount of enemies yeah, yeah, yeah kill yeah. this many enemies while having them on fire i got a lot of that left yeah. to clean up on for if i wanted to go after that platy yeah uh, i didn't platinum tomb raider one or tomb raider two it's kind of odd to do three but actually whatever. i got really close to doing it with the first one but i think it was some of the multiplayer ones that got me because they're I'm so glad they abandoned that yeah. bullshit Ugh. It was cool, but it, it was wasn't a, very good. It was a little janky. Yeah. It reminded me of like the... Um, it was super jank. The multiplayer they tried to do with like the Bioshock games. Oh, like, even yeah. Even the Dead Space where it felt like it, right? they kind of just shoehorned it in to do it. That's what it is. That's yeah. exactly... It's shoehorn. We see it shoehorn. Shoe that horn elsewhere. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Daniel, you made me do something. I walked in and I saw you fucking playing God of War 3. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, oh shit, yeah, this is free. Let me download that. Yeah. Can you walk me through how you feel going from this very grounded approach to Kratos mm-hmm. in God of War 2018 yeah. versus the last time we saw this son bitch? Well, here's where I was at. Um, and I want to say, I just came off of Spider-Man. We're going to talk about that more. Um, we're going to do our whole episode that, I'm sorry guys, we kind of didn't get to because I got sick this week and I didn't do my homework in the way that I should have. Um, but don't, I was, don't apologize to them because it implies weakness and they will tear us apart. Well, I want to have weakness. this level we're of strong boys. Uh, transparency. Oh, uh, I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah. But we're also strong boys. Strong boys! Um, so after I came off of Spider-Man, I wanted to play something more gameplay centric, more action-y. More gamey. More gamey. So I played more Spider-Man, obviously. But then after that, I was like, well, I don't really want to engage with anything that I have in my collection right now. And I remembered that God of War was free this month on 
PlayStation Plus. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and downloaded it, and I just I got right back into it. <laughs> but goddamn, it is a over the top opera of drama. Like that opening <laughs> cinematic moment is probably one of the most dramatic moments of last gen. Case in point, you're climbing up this mountain with titans, and a bird gets obliterated by a boulder out of nowhere. Out of like, nowhere? Why do it? Uh, just because of dramatic effect. We got fucking Poseidon with his uh, his water tentacles, like, shooting through Gaia. Gaia gets impaled at a certain point, and then you get to slap around the, these horse crab creatures made of water and hate and armor. And it is the most over-the-top shit I have seen. I think we both said it's kind of like a parody of violent uh, video games. It uh, By the third entry of the original God of War games, it felt like a parody of itself. Yeah. Like... If there's ever a moment for Kratos to kill or gouge out somebody's eyes, he's doing it. Can we t- can we talk about that fucking first person death scene where he gouges Poseidon's eyes out? Yeah, I just <laughs> want to like have a sit down with the developers and be like, "Where was your head at when you decided to give us a first person death scene watching Kratos beat the shit out of his enemy but through their eyes?" I mean, I guess it's effective because at that point his madness and his tale of revenge is like through the roof so if you want to like realign the scope to see what these gods are seeing against him it's effective they're seeing madness essentially yeah they're watching jason Voorhees tear <laughs> apart a camper from their p from the camper's yeah. pov it's fucking scary that that was my disconnect with kratos mm-hmm. right there and then i was like i don't like this character like look my dude's covered with eyeball blood <laughs> and i he, think he's, he's insane i think there's a trophy by the end to be covered in x amount of like buckets of blood <laughs> what the yeah, fuck yeah. It's, okay. it's a little wild, um, but to, a your, lot. to your first point, comparing God of War 3 to the now more grounded 2018 God of War, the combat is a lot more floaty. You have these segments where the camera is fixed, but like the gameplay is a lot more kind of like freeform. You can jump, you can hack and slash, um, you have like sort of combo multipliers and things that you can do, um, you get different weapon sets and things just from right um, off the bat. Rolling on the right stick feels like trash. It feels kind of like antiquated i don't like that. especially with games like uh god of war 2018 <coughs> like you dodge and roll with a uh, circle if i can yes, remember because i want to do it dark soul style mm-hmm. which is my left stick controls the direction i'm rolling into yeah. and circle does the roll well, not right stick garbage i think now the way gameplay hinges is your right stick usually controls the camera in most situations, mm-hmm. but in this game, since it's mostly fixed, you don't have that sort of free roam in in fight situations with the camera. It doesn't feel good. No, it, it felt a little weird, and it's it took, so fun. It took a second to kind of retro fit my play style to remember how to play like that. Like it was kind of like activating a muscle memory from like ten years ago. I think we both decided to put it on on hard. On hard, yeah. And it's it's been dumb, <laughs> repeating the same like tiny little fight twenty times over. Because it's unfair. You get slapped so hard in that game. I mean, game. I'll say it's kind of generous with the auto saves. Like, if you get That's to a true. certain stage in an enemy fight or, like, the Poseidon fight, like, there's, like, what feels like 10 different phases for no reason. But the game, like, auto saves for you. So it's like, cool, I'm on phase five now. So <laughs> it's such an interesting little part of, uh, of PlayStation history. Yeah. And we'll get into a little more PlayStation history uh, later in the episode obvious because we got an announcement to talk about we do don't spoil it buddy but it's a teeny one don't spoil it daniel you know what happened recently tell me tokyo game show yes and we weren't invited we were not what do we hey (laughs) tokyo 
what can we do to get on that list? Like, how do we, can, can we just go? Like, like we made it a little easier for you guys by moving from the East Coast to the West Coast. So tickets are right, cheaper. Right, dude. So, like, if you wanted to put us up house and board, yeah. like, I we're down with it. We got the resident Capcom fanboy here. I got to tell you. Well, first of all, yes, mm-hmm. I do a lot of free PR for Capcom. <laughs> you really do. Unintentionally, too. I just, I, I got into a conversation about Capcom at the fucking dispensary the other day. Really? Yeah, the guy saw my star shirt and he was just like, oh shit, man, yeah, good shit. And I'm just like, oh, you're a fan? He's like, of course I'm a fan. And we started talking about Resident Evil 2 Remake. He would have to be a fan to know to pull, like, stars, like... Yeah, because yeah, I don't pulls, feel exactly, exactly. You need to know Resident Evil like deep cuts for stars. I mean, Star Stars is more. We don't need to get into this. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was neat. And I did a little free PR for them. It was like, hey, by the way, they got this two hundred dollar edition that's coming out for remake too. And he's like, oh my god, what's in it? And I was like, <laughs> glad you asked. Let me tell you what's not. <laughs> what's not in there? <laughs> anyway, speaking of Resident Evil Two, they showed off a new trailer. Really cool shit. Still digging on the vibe. Mm-hmm. A little more Claire action. A little more Birkin stuff. Um, I want them to expand that whole Birkin family tree because that was a big uh, cornerstone in Resident Evil 2 lore. Uh, especially, you know, Sherry Birkin and her mom, Annette, uh, Annette and, and, and her dad, William, both being scientists that work for Umbrella. Mm. Saw them in the trailer. Got a reveal of Ada Wong. Cool. Uh, kind of mixed reviews from some people about that. All right, you fucking crybaby. So everyone's upset that she's wearing a overcoat. Mm-hmm. I think she looks more sp- like a spy wearing an overcoat. And, yeah. And who's to say she's not wearing her classic red dress underneath? My she dudes. probably is. I can imagine it being like a reveal at some point in the game. I mean, like, fucking hold your horses, dude. The mm-hmm. cool thing I like about that outfit is actually it's uh, inspired by concept art of the original concept for Ada Wong in what is now considered Resident Evil 1.5, which is a scrapped edition of Part 2. I think we talked about it in the show before, but hey, save roommates. We might have. Um, it kind of was a fresh idea to me when you started talking about it. So mm-hmm. can regale the roommates about what this is. 1.5 uh, was supposed to be originally RE2, the sequel to RE1, mm-hmm. and they got 70% through development, like the game was even in a playable state, before uh, Shinji Mikami and uh, a lot of people within uh, the company were just like, this is... This feels too much like the first game. It's mm-hmm. it's not enough of an evolution. So they went back, added more kind of a cinematic feel to the story uh, to make it more in line with zombie movies. And we eventually landed on Resident Evil 2, the original. that came out in 99, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, or was it 98? I, I think it's 98 because this year was <clears throat> the 20-year anniversary, right? Yes, you're correct. So, so. it was 98 and then 99 was part three. Um, so 1.5... There's like been fan remakes of the original code that you can get out there, but Capcom's never done anything with it, like officially. Hmm. Uh, it's such a cool little piece of history. And in so, fact, are there no ideas from that in Resident Evil Two? There absolutely are. Okay, Resident Evil Two actually borrows again, like I was saying, Ada Wong's look from it. Um, Mr. X, the tyrant enemy okay. in Part Two, is wearing a hat, kind of like in the concept art for One Point Five. And in fact, the uh, special editions of the game come with a DLC costume, which is Elza Walker's costume from 1.5. Uh, Elza Walker was the original character before she transitioned to being Claire Redfield. Because oh. they jumped in there and said, hey, we want this to have a bigger connection, or this character had a big, bigger connection to the original game. Okay. So we got, uh, you know, oh, this is Redfield's sister. <laughs> Elza Walker was like a college kid, uh, motorcycle enthusiast, wore a whole fucking 
a bike costume. <laughs> so you get to wear that. They haven't shown it yet, but I'm excited. I like that they're like calling back to the history. If you want to go to the next step with me, Capcom, if you want to go to the next step, fucking do something with 1.5. I don't mean like remake it or anything, but maybe just like release something officially for it. Like mm-hmm. you could have done that for RE2 Special Edition or something. Or with the upcoming fuck spoiling it, upcoming PlayStation Classic, you could add that shit on there and have it be like the Star Fox 2 of the ps classic yeah you, you know? mentioned that i was like that's kind of a fresh idea it'd be a fun idea but we'll get into that i don't i actually don't think they're gonna add m-rated games to that shit <sighs> sad yeah sad city of affairs we, we lose a lot of really cool opportunities for replay there oh hang on i'm getting a call no yeah john capcom yeah okay he wants me to talk about devil may cry now okay. sorry i know i we got to do this I'm that's sorry. okay the cry babies want it sorry i know you didn't hear my phone <laughs> That was some bad improv on this. <laughs> Hang on, I'm getting a call. I looked at the ceiling. <laughs> I almost thought to like simulate a ringing noise, but I was like, I'm going to let him do this thing. You're like, what's he going to do? See how it lands. <laughs> anyway, Devil May Cry 5 also had new footage. They revealed a lot more shit with Dante. Um, they also revealed some news through interviews and such that uh, there's going to be microtransactions in the game. Really? Yeah, and it's weird how they're going about it, dude. I, I don't know if I'm there with it, but traditionally you collect like uh, red orbs in the game okay. uh, to spend on character upgrades. Now you can buy those red orbs rather than collecting it from like fights and whatnot. You could just use real cash to buy them. And, you know, you go to the divinity statues in the game, which has been a staple for each game, mm-hmm. and do that. And um, Hideki Itsuno, uh, the director of the game, told GameSpot that it's something we want to give people as an option. Uh, if they want to save time and just want to get all that stuff at once, those people can do that. I like that he's like, those people. <laughs> <laughs> the non-true gamers. <laughs> what does that mean? Anyway, I um, feel ways. First of all, I have no interest in that. Um, but at the same time, I can't like fault somebody for wanting to go that way. But at the same time, I would be like, well, look at the design of the game. Mm-hmm. If it's that difficult to get these unlocks, maybe you should rethink how you stagger those releases instead of being like, oh man, well, these gamers won't have time to enjoy Devil May Cry 5 to its fullest. Give them the option to spend money. <laughs> like, I don't know, dude. I know game development is expensive as fuck, Mm -hmm. and in fact, so expensive, we're going to talk about some sad repercussions of that later in the episode, but like, what's your your read on that? I don't really have much of a read on it, to be honest. It kind of reminds me a lot of like the Dead Space 3 situation. That's that's, that's where my mind went instantly. Where it just, it reminds me very much of like um, EA's impression with a lot of their their games. It's like, okay, they put it in there as an option, um, not because necessarily they knew people would need it, but they just kind of put it in there to kind of keep Mm -hmm. sustaining and feeding their their money-making machine. They know out the door they're going to get X amount of dollars for a game, but how do we continue that uh, outside of DLC and expansions? Well, give them little things that they can kind of use to their advantage or get ahead if they want. Right, and and because of that, this feels so much like uh, mobile game pay structures. Yes. Where it's like, oh yeah, it's impossible for me to get like more gems this week. Here's my fucking credit card. Like, I, I don't... 
it just doesn't feel great because like now we've gotten to this push where the content that we're paying for in microtransactions is typically cosmetic mm -hmm. it's additional but it's nice and it's still like a good thing for people to like show off their character with a yeah fucking jumper whatever whatever you want to do this is character upgrades i don't agree with it Yikes. it reminds me of like buying orcs when we were talking about like shadow of the right. shadow of war and they totally walked back on that since um just because i feel like everybody going into a game should have the same equal uh playing field if you're able to buy your way to a certain skill or out players that way it's like well that's not really fair I mean, it is a single-player game, yeah. so it's like, there's at least that where it's like, whatever. That's true. It's not like Call of Duty, like, I'm gonna buy better guns, yeah. better skill sets, yeah. and totally be better than you because you can't afford to buy those things. No, it, right. it's a little different, but it creates kind of like an uneven experience across the game. It's just one of those things where, like, it just sticks out as a sore thumb, and I can't quite, like, convey my thoughts about it, because it's true, it's totally optional, I don't have to engage with it, and fuck it, but it's also like, if that's the case, why is it even there? <laughs> well you know? i feel like capcom has no shortage of uh revenue from all the things that they're doing maybe it's just it speaks of devil may cry mm. in specific i don't know if there's that had a long tumultuous development history or they're trying to get some money back not really or, yeah no, i didn't think so right. either that's not what's up <laughs> yeah i don't know it's just some somebody's looking at a bottom line and going mm. we need the fucking tango with this yeah all right that's fair uh, do what you think you need to do the last thing I'll say about DMC5 is that they uh, revealed... Well, not really revealed. They hinted at him for a while, but they're, like, outright showing the third playable character in the game. Okay. And he looks exactly like uh, a fucking J-pop band version of Adam Driver. <laughs> I saw you tweet about that. I was like, he's right. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know who this guy is, but he's right. I thought it was going to be Virgil. I think we talked about that an episode or two ago. I was uh -huh. like, yeah, it's got to be Virgil, but, like, I don't know what this guy's about. Uh, whatever. I mean, cool. You get to play as three playable characters. And then mm -hmm. they showed off Lady's going to be in the game. She's from part three. Trish is going to be in the game. Looks like uh, Sherry Moon Zombie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and all sorts of things. It, lo it looks like they're really trying to go for the fan service and try to do something new. I'm not sure I totally understand all of the um, Devil Breaker upgrades to Nero, mm -hmm. including one that's just like a pasta stir. That's like a DLC. What? Yeah, I'm not even kidding. Like it, it's meant for a pasta. And then there's one that has a description of a personal massager for a woman. I'm not what sure what's fuck? going. Yeah, his hand, his prosthetic limb things are called the Devil Breakers. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a deal breaker for me. Yeah. yeah. Can we talk about the uh, right hand? Um... What is it? The Mega Blaster from Mega Man? Oh, fuck. The Mega Buster, dude? Yeah, the Mega Buster. Yo, dude, every game needs to have a Mega Buster from here on out. It is cap law. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine, like, Monster Hunter, you have a Mega Buster. I, Resident Evil 2 Remake, you're fucking shooting down the Birkin monster. <laughs> I know it's supposed to be, like, a fun novelty in the game, uh -huh. but I sincerely might use it more than any other weapon in the game, mm. just because how cool it is. Shooting out fucking Mega Blast, dude, come on. It's interesting. I saw, like, some of the, the concept art for it, and then actually, I guess it was in-game art as well, and I'm just like, that looks weird. Tell me what game wouldn't be made better with a mega buster capcom no, any game skyrim with a mega buster awesome that's true awesome spider-man with a mega buster confusing but good what about overcooked overcooked with a mega buster oh shit yeah dude. how would that work i don't know you're blasting from fu some fucking uh shushimi <laughs> <laughs> don't i'm not a designer come on don't come at me well so they hard. have the throw mechanic in overcooked too so maybe it's just like i'm gonna fucking blast these ingredients to you oh Only wrong. yeah 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 Only wrong. or maybe that's how you cook it midair when you throw it <laughs> mega blast it and it gets cooked without need of a pan i like it i like it yo dude we need to talk to ghost town <laughs> games anyway 
the next thing to come out of TGS is the original Ace Attorney trilogy is coming out well for fucking everything, actually. In uh, early 2019, Capcom is bringing the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy to PS4, PC, Xbox One, and the Nintendo Switch. Uh, they are HD versions of what were originally Game Boy Advance games, if you remember. They all came out in advance. That kind of surprised me. I was like, shit, they're that old? Wow. I've never gotten down on an Ace Attorney. So no, I don't... I don't remember them being that old. I remember yeah. them being on, like, the DS. Yeah, yeah, and 3DS and whatnot. Yeah. In fact, I think uh, this collection was already ported to 3DS at some point. So, but cool. It's on the Switch. I remember thinking that it wasn't for a second because I was looking through tweets about it. Uh-huh. And then it turns out, like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, it is. Cool. I love it. Um, maybe I'll finally get to understand. I hear they're quirky and fun. Yeah. I just don't know much about them. I don't either. I really don't know anything about those or Professor Late, and I feel like those are in the same camp, right? Yeah, yeah, sort of. I would lump them together. I don't know if that's totally, uh, ing- what's the opposite of disingenuous? Ingenuous? Um, <laughs> sure. Genuous. <laughs> okay. But for me, it's like, I've always known Ace Attorney series to have, like, a certain wit and style about it, mm-hmm. and it seems really cool. I just never, like, quite, um owned it dude is the thing i just had a uh, wait a second wasn't there a live action ace attorney movie made in japan from the director of uh oh what was it called that really fucked up yakuza movie uh the guy with the mouth that bites into people's hands save roommates if you know drop us a line first of all i know his name it's uh takiyashi mimiike okay Save Rumitz, he is, he's in a fever right now. He needs to make sure he's finding this and I'm doing, doing justice. Yeah, keep on vamping. Dude. Ichi the Killer is the name of the oh, movie. Oh, Ichi the Killer. He directed a fucking Ace Attorney movie. Did he really? Yes, he did. Holy shit. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. We need to watch it. That's amazing. There's also a live-action Bleach movie on Netflix. I saw that. <laughs> I was like, what the hell I had did to, this I did happen? a double take. I was like, did uh, Death Note do that well to warrant all these live-action anime movies? <laughs> my dude has a very interesting um i just popped open imdb for uh his name is to takiyashi miyak um oh my goodness i thought he did wait am i wrong about this i'm not seeing it then again he has a lot of fucking movies he's directed mm-hmm. i'm gonna look up there's a movie called yakuza apocalypse that he directed oh my god i'm so into it <laughs> yep ace attorney in 2012 got it baby that's awesome Fucking no objections nothing but net <laughs> <laughs> nothing but net sorry sorry i took us out on a side branch that that was we really got to see that i mean I we always it. go on journeys on the show we do yeah we do uh buddy there's also some kingdom hearts 3 shit i know what do you did you see anything out of out of the tgs about it i really or? didn't because at this point we're about like three four months out from the game coming out and i kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah, really true. want to stay away from any spoilers or stuff that isn't just like here's um like when they did the um big hero 6 baymax reveal i was like let me see that but like anything that's kind of integral to like the kingdom hearts lore any of the original characters i've been trying to kind of not Okay, so you, get so you definitely don't want to hear about how Aqua's in the game? No, I, I knew she was in the game. Uh, I know yeah. that this trailer focuses around us like a f- duel between her and Sora. Yeah, Which is kind of interesting. Who the fuck is Aqua? God, Aqua was one of like the three playable characters or protagonists from Birth by Sleep. Oh. Um, that game's actually really good. I can't recommend it enough. Birth by Sleep. Which one? Was that the 3DS one or was that the one on PSP? Um, I think it was the one for PSP, but then they kind of packed it in with the 2.5 remix okay. on okay. Uh, PS3. Really good. Um, all the campaigns are kind of like under 10 hours, and you get to kind of just play through their scenarios. But she's um, basically a pupil of um, 
I don't remember his name. Maybe Xenohort, one of those fuckers. Right. Um, but she was primed to be one of the original Keyblade Masters. Xenohort. Yeah, right. So that's where the lore gets kind of weird. But you think she- I'm going to get a little lost playing Part 3? Just jump it into 3? I think Part 3 is going to be a very difficult starting point for a lot of people. Okay. Unless they do, like, uh, Kingdom Hearts 15 years in a review, but I don't think they're going to. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, uh, director Tetsuo Nomura spoke to GameStalk, and he actually said that uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 will not be the end of the series, and that he actually wants to continue telling Sora's story beyond this. How do you feel? I don't know. I'm kind of done with Sora's story, what? in my mind, because, like, getting a taste of, Oh, you like, want some more Roxas. That's what's up. Roxas was cool. I liked when they started branching off and doing other things, even with, um... I know names. Uh, what was it? Kingdom Hearts... I forget the name of it, honestly. It was the one that came directly after Kingdom Hearts 1, but you get to play as Riku. Oh, uh, Goofy's Revenge. Goofy's Revenge. <laughs> um, am I remembering them right now? Fuck, I don't even remember, actually. But and then, Wait, What do you mean? There's only three. <laughs> one, two, and three. No, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. But um, Birth by Sleep was cool because you get to play as these like different characters that I was just like, okay, I don't know any of them. They all have different play styles. And I like kind of their involvement in the Kingdom Hearts story. Mm. Um, and it kind of led into this idea of a like Keyblade War that was far more interesting than some of the stuff they were doing with uh, Sora in 2. So Why would you have a war? Like, just make more Keyblades. What's the problem? Are right? they running out? I don't know. I or is it like a Lord of the Rings kind of like the one Keyblade to rule them all sort of... I- that's initially how they like kind of pitch it as like there was this one keyblade and then you realize oh it's not just that they're keyblade masters everywhere i'm gonna have a rough time with this game i want to play it for just to play it yeah but i feel like even if i tried to go to youtube and be like oh okay kingdom hearts lore explained i'll be met with like a four hour video that branches off into like it's eight other videos it's tough to explain even as somebody who's like super entrenched in the series like i've been like i struggle to even explain it to you because it's just like there's so many moving parts another thing about it though they also released like the cover art for the game oh it, it has cover re- art yeah it looks really fresh <laughs> Yeah. game has cover art yeah who knew oh wow yeah yeah i actually saw it does look neat yeah i, I want it anyway a uh, little bit of red dead 2 they're talking about uh red dead online's getting a beta blah blah blah, blah. Yeah. no one gives a fuck about that here's what really matters horse testicle physics yeah so tell me about my balls in the fall oh it's not just your balls it's your horse's balls okay. in the fall so apparently your horse's ball reacts to the temperature <laughs> of the open plains if it's cold they will actually ascend closer to the horse's body the however when it's nice and temperate a little warm out <coughs> say during the spring months your horse's balls will be a dangling downward they're a swinging hot sweaty sack we have evolved testicle physics dude we have got, I don't know what we can do beyond this. This this might as well be the last video game they ever make. We perfected it. Dude. Cyberpunk better bring it in the genital department. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I need to see some shrinkage. Real, real-time shrinkage at this point. <laughs> Here's another thing. Sure. So, uh, <laughs> your hair grows out in the game. Your hair and beard can be, like, unkempt. So, if you don't, like, actively go to a saloon, it'll grow out. Here's some interesting things about that. So you can't just go to a saloon and say like, oh, give me a handlebar mustache if you don't have any hair in your face. Mm. You have to wait for your hair to grow to realistically groom it. What the hell? Dude, I'm going to quit my job and I want to join Rockstar's beard board. (laughs) I want to be a part of that team that (laughs) focuses on beard physics and beard implementation throughout Rockstar's catalog going forward. Okay? 
Uh, failing that, I would like to be a temp on the Rockstar horse testicle team <laughs> and, and make sure that, you know, to, to patch out any bu- bugs post-launch for that. I, I would love to be a It'll be your horseball redemption. I would love to be on, like, horseball QA, if anything. <laughs> Just you know? testing how they bounce and how they realistically work. Right. That's great. Right. That would be my next thing. Does, okay. this, get, does this get you excited for the Red Dead Redemption 2? Yeah, like a horse in heat. I'm fucking getting Red Rocket over this game. Um, actually, I think over time... <laughs> Hang on. No, no, no. No more words. Let me just digest that. Huh. All right. Continue, Daniel. Okay. Does that horse meat taste good? I think over time, my hype is no, kind of escalated for this game. Because you know me. Like, I haven't played Red Dead. I don't really care for most um rockstar games i know they have a pedigree in the industry and they're great at what they do and they have a following but i never really got into them Mm -hmm. but with time and just kind of seeing the things that they're doing with their open world and their storytelling i'm like i'm kind of in why not okay you know i i don't doubt it's gonna be great posse up with me dude yeah they're doing an online component i want to take over a ghost town me and you yeah because there's a ghost town in the original red dead redemption i want us to like that's our that's we'll fucking put up a flag. That's our place. That's our domain. We're we'll gonna do be saloon things. boys. We only come out at night. I want our characters to be very pale, <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna grow out our beards and never shave them, so we'll look crazy. Except in the summer when it gets hot, we'll have handlebar mustaches. <laughs> hey, save roommates! You're invited to come to our ghost town. It may not be a ghost town like with more occupants but like it's the spirit of the ghost town i just want ghostly things to happen so uh mustaches and balls aside where's your level of hype now for this game i've always wanted to grab this game (laughs) okay i really 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 love the shit out of red dead redemption Mm -hmm. and if we want to go back in time a bit i actually really enjoyed red dead revolver originally a capcom developed game that rockstar picked up and finished (sighs) you're welcome john capcom anyway (laughs) this is just the capcom capcast it really is. It Save really for is. like a few games, this is all Capcom. God, we're dumb. Anyway, uh, I I loved getting lost in that game. I want to get lost in this game, and I want to get lost in the little details, including horseball physics, beards. <laughs> Apparently, you can speak to every single NPC. Like, you have just a mechanic to just mm. kind of like talk to them a little bit. That's cool. Uh, and it's not just like, oh, pre-written stuff. Like, no, no, they just kind of realistically go like, fuck off. <laughs> it's I great. like that there's like a great level of detail and care given to the NPCs because that was the difference for me um, but like that made Horizon Zero Dawn against games like Fallout where some of the NPCs felt very dead-eyed and like one-lined in games like Fallout. But like in Horizon, they really fleshed out their characterizations and gave them a lot more care and really made them feel like alive in that sort of world. So I'm excited for that. I want it. But why would we talk about a game that's like right around the corner? That's coming out next month, Daniel. Let's talk about games we have no idea about. Let's talk about a game that may not even come out this console generation. (laughs) Death Stranding had a little footage come out. Well, first of all, we got Hideo Kojima's Playtime Pals Mm -hmm. uh, show up. Uh, Troy Baker is announced for the game as a character. Um, Which, why am I surprised he's in everything? And I'm just like, is this like a PlayStation greatest hits of like, <laughs> like is Nolan North in the game somewhere? Does he play the... the he's the baby. He's the baby <laughs> trapped in uh, <laughs> trapped in Norman Reedus. <laughs> so 
I saw some wild shit. I did too. I don't even know how to describe it. I feel like we saw different things. In fact, fuck off, go watch it on YouTube, and then come back, and you'll know what we're talking about. There's some sort of weird chimera fucking creature that comes out of the ground made of shadows and hate, and Troy Baker uh, summoned it. Is this skull-faced demon monster almost? What the This is like fucking future Lovecraft. I don't know what this is, and I love that every time that I see this game, it becomes more bewildering and more... It's going to be the craziest fucking game that anyone's ever played with like bar none people are gonna play it and just be like i don't know how to describe this to you mm-hmm. i don't know what it's done to me i haven't slept <laughs> <laughs> at this point i'm surprised that like pre-orders don't come with a spinal tap like kojima is just gonna come into our house and I'm like all right game's ready to play i'm just gonna inject it straight in your spine there won't even be a disc in this box yeah. it'll literally be a syringe with a mysterious moving liquid mm-hmm. and <laughs> that's it no manual just you just have to decide whether or not it's worth injecting into you or not with the note from happens. kojima that just says dive in kiddos <laughs> <laughs> you go home there's a psvr headset sitting on your bed you'd never own one you never had interest in vr it's chilling there nonetheless you put it on your head it's all darkness and just sounds it sounds like trains going by you don't understand you take it off you're not even in your home anymore <laughs> <laughs> it's like that one episode of black mirror playtest but worse <laughs> much worse you're not sure where reality starts and where your own insanity ends and then you look in the mirror and you are kojima <laughs> You are Kojima, you're laughing, and then you feel the pressures of finishing the Metal Gear series. You don't understand why you woke up in 2014. <laughs> Death Stranding is going to be very cerebral. You can't explain all the voicemails from Konami on your phone. Yeah. What's happening to you? This is Death Stranding. <laughs> that was that was a walk. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want that game. I do too. Yeah. I want uh, My Dinner with Shuhei and Kojima. <laughs> so i'm definitely gonna pick it up <laughs> i think i am too yeah much like red it. dead the more i see and hear about this game the more i'm into it i'm super into it yeah and it's got troy baker he's a baby maker troy baker the baby maker honestly <laughs> put guy. him in any game and i'll buy it <laughs> buddy you have a very interesting shout out article of the week because you're you're tickling my nostalgia with this one Take me away. Okay, so usually I find my articles um, on my phone. Uh, I will be in bed, or I'll be in the tub, or I will be on the shitter. This time I did the old reach behind, uh, and I opened a Game Informer. It was uh, September's Game Informer, mind you. What's the face you're giving me for? Uh, How... Uh, okay, I took you on a walk a second ago, a yeah. really crazy walk. I'll allow you to have the toilet reach arounds as your way of segueing <laughs> to a Game Informer article. Out of context, the toilet reach around sounds really bad. But I was sitting down, I was doing my number two, and I was like, I need some reading material. I think my phone was in the other room, dying, as it does. And uh, oh, no. I started leafing through, and I got to the end, and I found what is this week's shout-out article of the week. Fantastic. So thank you, Game Informer, for this one. Um, it is basically called uh, Star Wars Shadows of the Empire, with the subtitle Remembering Star Wars Most Audacious Video Game Adaptation. It's uh, by Kyle Hillard, and it's basically a really interesting dissection and read of what is one of my favorite n64 games mm-hmm. um did you play shadows of the empire did i fucking play shadow yep. of the empire oh my dog i poured hours into this game it was one of my absolute favorites for the n64 Same. it was like one of the reasons why i would get so fucking jealous seeing like my friends with the system mm-hmm. i was like this is the game oh it's such a strange it's such a strange game because you were talking about how it, it has like literally 10 fucking different genres mm-hmm. between its levels 
baked in the one game. It is a very ambitious project. Right. One that John Knowles, the creative lead, basically looks back on and says, like, we shouldn't have done this. <laughs> um, so yeah. the interview is, it's basically between Kyle Hillard and John Knowles. He's the project lead. He's now of the Forza series, which is really... Forza. Intro- Forza. Forza. Between 1991 and 2005, this dude had basically done art for 24 Star Wars video games. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and Lucas Arts, they were basically doing this multimedia branch. Uh, they wanted to tell the story between Empire Strikes Back and Jedi. I guess because of um, Han Solo, him being captured and turned into Carbonite and basically being delivered to um, Boba Fett, they wanted to tell the more insular stories about bounty hunters yeah. um, and about that lifestyle um, leading up to him being turned over to Boba Fett. So this was uh, essentially going to be that sort of story, but then they basically took an idea borrowed from um, Dark Horse Comics huh. and centered around uh, Dash Rendar. And they yeah, I remember that. This, yeah. The name is actually even borrowed from that arc, right? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> a, a lot was borrowed from that essentially um even the name to to john Knowles uh sugar and he's like i don't really know that i want to uh go with this but i guess because it's already established in the lore and that's the character we're trying to tell a story yeah, about what, what was the lead character's name originally or at, by the end in the game dash rendar dash rendar yeah holy shit yeah okay and like even looking back on concept and the cover art like he's like that kind of smarmy bounty hunter uh smuggler type just like han was okay it's it's really cool um other five by notes about this um it was basically supposed to be an n64 launch title but i guess there were too many moving parts so they had to push it back to christmas of that year well they fucking had like uh uh star fighting in the game yep. and a hoth mission yep. and the third person ones yep. and then fucking i remember i think a lightsaber battle at one there's point. a lightsaber battle there's a racing segment there are train Jesus segments Christ. there's platforming um so yeah sorry ba- so- basically like what you said uh essentially became five games in one it was a shooter slash platformer a low altitude flight game a racing game an on-rail <laughs> shooter and a full sp- space flight game uh noel said he'd never do it again despite this working for the super star wars games which came before um he was just like that was too many games in one we in project management we would say that this game was a victim to scope creep which is you continue to increase the scope of your game mm-hmm. in this instance to include all these things that you probably shouldn't have in order to come under budget and make sure it has happened on time yeah it's it's really kind of interesting um and they were making the jump into the the 3d world because this is the first 3d star wars game for the n64 so they're like let's That's take right. all these components that are present in other games and try and do it in one and it's oh like my God, while dude. it worked for me because like you get the sense that all the levels were distinctly different like because i think mm-hmm. there are 10 levels and like yeah like we said you'll have one gameplay segment in level one that feels different from two and so on and so forth but for most people maybe it didn't work <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I remember some levels i'm like this is a fucking chore yeah and then the rest were awesome yeah basically there were two like flight levels that i'm like this didn't really work which i'm glad they refined by the time uh rogue Yo, squadron came along what was the name of that really awesome android bounty hunter in the game that you had like this huge boss battle in the junkyards with? it was like ib88 or iq88 Yo, it was cool. He he was a rough customer. Holy shit, yeah. he's so cool. It was one of the hardest fights in the game. Um, that with the Boba Fett fight uh, around the Slave One as well. Dude, this would be like an absolute must-have on a N64 classic. Yeah, if Nintendo ever does it because that. I'm sorry, this this is intrinsic to my N64 years. Like the, this title and Rogue Squadron were like 
fucking hell. One of the some of the best times I've had with that console. Yeah, this is integral to my history as an N sixty four gamer, and it gave me everything. It gave me so many different gameplay styles. It had collectibles. It was fun. Right? It served the Star Wars itch in me. Um, really great read, and I think the reason I wanted to integrate it into this episode mm-hmm. was because later on we're going to talk about the idea of classic systems, mm-hmm. i.e., mm-hmm. an N sixty four classic. Spoiler. Yeah, but really cool stuff. Additionally, this wasn't even supposed to be a Star Wars game. It was supposed to be a Western. And I think, like, in some of the train segments, you get that, like, with the runaway locomotion. Like, in that same scrapyard fight, you're basically platforming across, um, like, a train car. You have, like, a duel with Boba Fett at a certain point. Yeah, I really feel the Western vibe from that. That's so interesting. Yeah. I would love them to, like, do a remake, like, a full-on remake of this game Mm -hmm. and go crazy with trying to, like, incorporate the genre still, but, like, update it to what we've learned from those different genres. Yeah. Yeah, That'd be really awesome. Over the years. Yeah, for sure. And then a last note, Miyamoto basically hated this game. No shit. Yeah, yeah. He was lobbing a lot of uh, criticisms (laughs) at Knowles and his crew um, because... Super Mario 64 to Miyamoto basically created the mold for how they should do 3D games, especially with handling the camera. So he thought the idea of, like, imagine it like this. You are tying a hot air balloon uh, hot air balloon around somebody's waist, and that is the camera, the balloon. So it should basically float freely and capture all field of view around the, the character. Um, and one of his things was, like, I can't see Dash Rendar's feet. Why can't I see his feet? And, like, he really wanted that, but, like, Knowles had a little pushback with it where he's like, well, we're doing a shooter, and focusing on the feet kind of takes away from the accuracy and field of view of it being a good shooter. So this little sidebar here where he was, like, uh, Miyamoto was criticizing him, um, and it basically, it took it... Uh, as an assault on his character in it and his work <laughs> i would not want to be the man that gets on miyamoto's bad side yeah so so here is a quote from Knowles. he says the other bit of feedback i'd like to think something was lost in translation but i swear what i heard his translator say was when we were talking about character animations quote do you not know to take pride in your animation uh, oh yeah Knowles took it really really personally um <laughs> he's like that stung a little bit but it was still pretty cool to meet miyamoto <laughs> <laughs> glass half fucking full yeah so i don't know it's, it's interesting to kind of see the development that a, a licensed star wars game had uh, one that i kind of hail as one of my favorite titles and mm-hmm. all the moving parts and components and even to know that like one of the nintendo's heads could look at it and be like this kind of sucks working with that license historically has been a fucking monster I yeah mean, go ask people that tried to start uh battlefront 3 over and over different devs tried to make that happen and nothing was satisfying the overlords i feel like lucas films was a lot more lax with it because they just wanted to give nintendo a property to do something with so they're like here take it do something cool tell like an insular story um whereas maybe a lot of the harsher flat came from nintendo themselves and miyamoto because it's like this doesn't match our pedigree for open 3d platformers yeah how do you that's my question to you how do you fucking argue with miyamoto Honestly, if you're the if you're the type of guy to convince Miyamoto that your vision is right for the project, you should be leading studios. Mm-hmm. You should like he's still in work. This guy, right? Like he's still doing the thing. Yeah, he's in the, he, well. He's working with Microsoft now yeah. in the Forza games. Nah, dude, you're a pro. You're I, a pro. I mean, I feel like if you stayed the course and really upset him, he probably would have woken up one morning by some divine magic and had been Tingle from the Zelda games. <laughs> <laughs> I I would feel like spiritually shook to have criticisms leveled at me from miyamoto yeah like i would be like i need to quit <laughs> i need to quit tomorrow or he's here's one even worse you wake up in the morning and your dick is just like toads it's <laughs> like <laughs> you fucked up star wars <laughs> here's the toad curse 
<laughs> Maybe that's what happened to Trump. Oh, shit. <laughs> Fucking cross Miyamoto. All right. So we're going to get into last week's news this week. So we have some sad, not great shit to talk about, but it's important to talk about. And I think we w- we're going to have a pretty big discussion about this. But we are going to be discussing two studio closures that occurred in the same week, in the same month, and both studios, I found out, were both established in 2005. Wow. Interesting. So the first one we have on the list, Daniel. On September 18th, Capcom Vancouver ceased operations. Founded in 2005 under the name Blue Castle Games, Capcom acquired and renamed the Canadian studio after the release of Dead Rising 2. The developer would go on to become the steward of the zombie-mashing franchise, the latest being 2016's Dead Rising 4. Capcom Vancouver's last non-Dead Rising title was a mobile version of the Puzzle Fighter series, released in 2017. After a lukewarm reception, Capcom Vancouver dropped support for the game, and it was pulled from Android and iOS stores in late July of this year. That decision followed a round of layoffs that hit the studio in February. This restructuring was said to impact about 30% of the studio's workforce. A spokesperson told GameSpot that, in reviewing the allocation of their resources, Capcom came to the decision to close the Vancouver office and cancel its in-flight projects, one of which was said to be a third-person action game set in alternate reality New York. Capcom has chosen to increase headcount in its Osaka office and concentrate on developing major titles in Japan. The rep stated, quote, We appreciate the hard work and contributions of all the studio team members in creating unforgettable gameplay experiences for the Dead Rising series and Puzzle Fighter, end quote. That sucks. Yeah. That one sucks because uh, even though I've been critical of the Dead Rising series, it was always obvious that this studio had some major talent behind it, Mm -hmm. had people that loved not just making games, but Capcom in general. And I love folk that love Capcom. So it's very sad. I especially was super, super bummed out to hear that this game that I heard rumors of, this this um, this Wizards in New York, mm-hmm. 70s New York like game. this new IP idea? Yeah, because I always wanted them to work on an original IP or maybe fuck around with uh, some of uh, other Capcom IP. Mm-hmm. I mean, for instance, hey, sick those folks on Dino Crisis was something yeah. uh, that came up over and over again, you know? But this this definitely sucks and um especially with the recent success of monster hunter world and Mm. capcom kind of rebranding itself and and being this gamer first fucking customer service studio now which Mm. is really cool to see them turn into yeah uh i would not have expected that one of the ramifications would be the complete closure of their western footprint yeah you know i feel like that's important to have that perspective from the west you know especially since they have san francisco offices and such you know i i i think historically with japanese developers there's been that kind of disconnect with its um let's say its western audience and its uh, domestic audience so i don't know that's it's not good i really do hope uh those folk land on their feet and there's different opportunities for them or you know i didn't hear anything about it but maybe even capcom kind of snatched up the some of those employees and Mm -hmm. put them on these other projects i would i would hope so they have so many internal divisions that like these people hopefully could be reallocated to other projects yeah i i feel um i feel like this situation maybe was i mean 
put it out front like it, it does suck people lost their jobs and it's always an unfortunate situation when that happens especially not only for them but you know for their families and so yeah. on keep that thought because we're going to revisit that sentiment yeah, very soon in a worse capacity um, yep but it, so what do you think it was about capcom Va- vancouver that maybe um made them less successful than their other branches do you think it was like maybe too much dead rising do you think maybe those games weren't selling as much as they could have been because of too many iterations or man just the fact that they had another game in development told me that they didn't want to only be the dead rising assembly line yeah and I, but that's what they I were was getting for a tired while. it was getting tired I, I i didn't ever hear that dead rising was like killing it in sales mm-hmm. i remember like the first two really did it and three was a weird one because especially it came out of the gate as a uh, launch exclusive for xbox one mm-hmm. And then part four was stuck on Xbox One as well. And I, I don't know if the audience, uh, you know, that resonated with the audience as much as it could have mm-hmm. being an exclusive. Because there's a reason that they decided to eventually port it over. Yeah. I don't know. But three was cross-plat at a certain point, right? At a certain point it, it became cross-plat. Exclusive? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, well, it was on PC. Okay. Um, I don't know if that one ever came to PS4, to be honest with you. I know part, part four did for sure. Okay. But I was never the biggest proponent for that series yeah. uh, which is unusual uh, a fucking capcom zombie game should be directly up my alley mm. that i mean that is my brand yeah <laughs> but it, it never struck a chord with me and maybe that was the same for a lot of the the audience out there but that's why you let them do other shit it, it seemed like puzzle fighter was also like here's our scraps kind of project I, yeah i don't know too much about puzzle fighter yeah. you, you had to explain that to me yeah yeah puzzle fighter was a good ass uh ps1 era game where mm-hmm. it was essentially like you know kind of like dr robotnik's mean bean machine okay where you got to clear lines of like kind of like know, tetris sort of like that yeah, but, but you had on-screen characters that were all like chibiified fucking smacking each other every time you did a good line clear okay. and they had a health bar and you try to trump their asses the mobile game was fine the art style was definitely goofy because we went from beautiful 2d art Mm -hmm. prevalent of that era to weird amorphic 3d art on a phone game it wasn't gonna land yeah um yeah i don't know it's a sad state of affairs it just feels like they're underutilized maybe capcom didn't know how to because especially with the brands that we're talking about they're very protective over Mm -hmm. i mean we've seen examples of them trying to you know throw resident evil in the west and we ended up with operation raccoon city Mm -hmm. not a terrific success critically at least i heard that one actually sold okay (laughs) um yeah, so I, I just feel like they've been burned like that in the past, and they're just like, they didn't know how to trust Capcom Vancouver with something meatier than Dead Rising, which I think absolutely should have happened. What are what are some of their other Western studios in terms of their body of works? Capcom Vancouver. That was it? You that said was there was it. one in, in San Francisco, though, right? Yeah, that's just a kind of their like a, footprint there. Oh, they like do They run bridge. events and such, gotcha. and um, the, the PR work and stuff happens for, uh, you know uh the western side but yeah other than that they don't make games there okay so yeah rough they don't have any western developer now well i guess that puts it back in their park they can control their properties and ips a little more uh, meticulously and and make their products exactly what they want i don't yeah i don't know what missed the mark because i always thought dead rising was kind of successful with its fan base um, at least initially, it seemed like it was a commercial and critical success. But then over time, I feel like maybe it went down. 
I think so too. Yeah. I think interest uh, waned in that one, and maybe it never hit that same level of, of success the first two had. Mm-hmm. Um, well, here's the thing: like the we always, well, I always talk about it. You feel like there could be more zombie games and modes, but I feel like the <laughs> yeah. zombie love game zombie genre scene. at that point was so oversaturated, and that game to get, I don't even know the year span, but I feel like it was within like ten years at most to have four or five different Dead Rising entries. You're kind of oversaturating your own brand. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I just don't think they ever did anything compelling with the the series. Uh, no. And that, that's not a knock on Vancouver. I just mean the, well, the games themselves. Those games tell very different stories than the Resident Evil series does. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, because um, they're all like laden with humor and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of self-referential and shit. Yeah. And they even like go as far as to add like costumes from other Capcom games. Like there, there's definitely some joy to be had in those games. I just, you know, didn't strike the right chord with me where it's something like Dying Light or, you know, Wood. Mm-hmm. I just mean from a mechanical level. Um... I played the first, I played two actually a little bit and it was fun. I like getting the craft like weapons and stuff, but like after a while I was just like, eh, this isn't hitting for me the way I wanted it to. Yeah, but it's still a sad state of affairs. I I would never like, that just means, Hey, put that series in remission and let them do their shit. This New York game could have been really cool, man. Wizards in New York dog. Yeah. Like that would have been great. That sounds really cool. But again, you know, for me, if I don't like a particular game, like, um, What's one that I, I don't really care for? Um, like the Halo games. Like I'm not really big on that sort of stuff. Just I'm wearing a Master Chief shirt, dude. Y- you're wearing Master this Chief like is my dude, you're wearing dude. this Andy Warhol pop Master Chief shirt. It's my favorite. I feel the most inspired in this shirt. It's good. Maybe that's why I felt inspired to say this. Yeah. Um, because the Master but, Chief is inspired. So like I'm not huge on those games, but that's not enough for me to wish ill will on people or want a studio to close down. Nope. And like same with Dead Rising. Like those aren't my cup of tea, but like. I hope they found success with a, a, an audience and kept going and had the revenue to do something like this Wizards in New York game. Because, like, I like creativity and I like people being able to execute ideas. Mm-hmm. So Hell, another dream project that I would have given to them rather than Capcom would have been a 3D imagining of uh, Mega Man. Hmm. Another, like, 3D platformer. Kind of in the vein of Legends, but maybe a little more fun, a little yeah. more less RPG-ish, and a little more um, kind of like a Ratchet and Clank sort of deal. Okay, that would have been great for them to handle, and I think I'm sure they probably would have wanted to touch that too. But well, it sucks. Hopefully, yeah. they land on their feet. It does, and best of luck to all of you guys. You guys had a sheer amount of talent, and you Absolutely. were good at what you did. Absolutely. So. All right, this one's worse. This one seemed like you know people were taken care of. Uh, I mean, Capcom Vancouver, you know. We, I feel like they actually serve their employees in a way that was like commendable mm-hmm. and respectable. Whereas like this situation that we're going to talk about with Telltale is like, whoa. Yep. And here we go. On September 21st, Telltale Games laid off nearly 250 employees in preparation of a full studio closure. Telltale announced that a skeleton crew of 25 will stay on staff to, quote, fulfill the company's obligations to its board and partners, end quote. In a statement issued by the company on Friday, CEO Pete Hawley said, quote, It's been an incredibly difficult year for Telltale as we work to set the company on a new course. Unfortunately, we ran out of time trying to get there. We released some of our best content this year and received a tremendous amount of positive feedback, but ultimately, That did not translate to sales. With a heavy heart, we watch our friends leave today to spread our brand of storytelling across the game industry, end quote. All unreleased projects, including The Wolf Among Us Season 2 and the recently announced Stranger Things game, have been canceled. 
The Walking Dead the final season, the finale to Telltale's most popular episodic series, is still expected to have its second episode released on Tuesday, September 25th. However, it's likely the last two episodes of this season will never see the light of day. It's uh, said Telltale intends to intend for their remaining staff to complete Minecraft Story Mode, an animated series commissioned by Netflix based on their own game. Afterward, Telltale will shut down completely. For 250 people, their dismissal was a painful and sudden surprise. Ex-Telltale devs are reporting on social media that they did not receive severance pay and their health care will cancel in a week. Many are unable to provide a definitive answer as to what went wrong. We can only look to past struggles for hints. Last November, Telltale suffered 90 layoffs, reasoning that they needed to reshuffle their focus on making fewer, better games with a leaner team. In March, Megan Farrakhmanish wrote an article for The Verge reporting on the studio's toxic management and constant push for crunch without overtime compensation. According to her sources within the company, some point to a stifling culture misled by co-founder Kevin Bruner and his desire to be viewed as an auteur. Now, on Twitter, we've seen a lot of uh, the devs kind of take and talk about what's going on Mm -hmm. and also fielding questions that they're not on the hook for anymore. I do want to illustrate this point most of all. They don't owe you anything because they don't work for that company anymore. The company doesn't exist anymore, effectively. Yeah, I think it's very insensitive to ask them where their last episodes of The Walking Dead final season are going to be when these people are facing unemployment, severance that wasn't expected, and other things. Right, they have some serious life struggles, and and they are not on the hook, nor do they have an answer to your refund that you want. Okay. Yeah, that wouldn't have been on them anyway. Let let this fucking breathe. Telltale is still operating as some sort of entity that's on its way down, but mm-hmm. you have to understand they probably can't finish those episodes because they can't fucking afford to. Mm-hmm. That's how severe the situation is. It's like having the rug pulled out from underneath them. So Emily Grace Buck, a former narrative designer at the company, she's been kind of one of the more prolific voices on yes. Twitter. Uh, one of her first tweets was, quote, if you have any positions available full-time, contract, part-time, on location, remote, please share them to hashtag telltalejobs. These are some of the best storytellers and devs around. You want them. A lot of people have actually been responding to those telltale uh, to that tag, mm-hmm. including Ubisoft, uh, Guerrilla Games, really just stepping up. And somebody made a good point. It's like, look at what Telltale did for the community to have everyone kind of feel its loss instantly and feel for these employees and want them. You well, should want them. Starting with uh, The Walking Dead first season, um, mm-hmm. their take on narrative games and inter- the interactive media really set the mold and precedent for a lot of the newer games that we love. Of, I mean, they really hit something special there. Mm-hmm. And I think to recognize that level of talent is important. And I, I love that these studios in the California area and beyond are reaching out because it's like, these are talented people that should not go without jobs. It's a very unfortunate situation. And if you can use them on your teams, why not? You know? So to reiterate <laughs> two points that we made, especially about The Walking Dead and its up-in-the-air status, Emily took to Twitter to say, about canceled games or The Walking Dead, don't ask former devs about it right mm-hmm. now. Your it's not hot, the right time. Yeah, and she went on to say, your hot takes about the company making weird slash not great decisions are not new, surprising, or revelatory to any of us. We know. We knew. We tried our best and or couldn't do anything. We just wanted to make good games for you. And now, we're SOL. 
that kills me because like we have been known to give Telltale flack over the last sure, like, we, two we years. gave him shit, but and it was it wasn't so much the stories or what they were trying to do. It was more over the engine, and they were making the strides. They moved to a better engine. They got more properties, and they were trying to improve what they were putting out as a consumer product. And that kills me that they were trying to respond to what we wanted, but they couldn't. Now we would give shit to Telltale about the bugginess of the games and overall quality, not because we were like, hey. You just need to fucking stop and go away. We want to see Telltale be better. Yeah. We wanted more from them, but we wanted it to be like, you know, race to the next level so even more people can enjoy well, their games. I, I, okay, I was very excited to hear that they're switching from their proprietary Telltale tool to make that they use to make all their mm-hmm. games to a new engine because they wanted to move away from those systemic problems. Mm-hmm. And Wolf Among Us Season 2 was supposed to be the first to use that engine. I was excited to see what that was. Yeah. I was going to be there day one for that fucking game. Well, I was excited for that. I was excited for the idea of because they had acquired the uh, Stranger Things IP right, uh, back right, right. around E3 so I wanted to see what they would have done with that um, and it's it sucks because Telltale has such a strong and important imprint on the industry um, and I wanted to see them to be able to capably do the things that Supermassive was doing or that Don't Nod was doing with Square Enix with um, Life is Strange like I wanted them to be able to do more because I knew that they could and they knew that they could they just didn't have the tools that, that's exactly so. it and uh, so there i want to reference that article again that megan wrote for the verge which kind of gives you some insights to like what went wrong there was a lot of money issues there was a lot of mismanagement there was mm-hmm. a lot of um ego issues as well apparently centering around kevin bruner the ceo at the time who uh, eventually left quietly left apparently they described him as just one day walking away from the office wearing a backpack and nobody knew what happened, but apparently he talked to the board, he talked to, you know, other high-level employees there, and was just like, yeah, I don't, kind of saw the writing on the wall, and wanted to leave. And it was really, uh, some people were kind of highlighting that it was his ego after the success of The Walking Dead, where, um, I just want to say, so the two devs that were, like, responsible for a lot of the success behind The Walking Dead were Rotkin and Vanneman. Mm-hmm. They point to, actually, the Jurassic Park game that they did, which I bought and was not great. It, I don't. I, I don't want to shit on it too much, but it was not great, and they knew it was not great. So they were actually given a little more free reign on The Walking Dead because mm-hmm. they needed to get it out on time. Where a lot of the oversight from the you know the higher management was kind of dismissed, or even you know uh, these two these two developers, uh, Vanneman and Rodkin, kind of pushed back, and they actually. Uh, got a reputation for doing that Mm -hmm. and they ended up you know winning a lot of those battles and the game ended up being a huge fucking success now those names might be familiar to you because these two eventually left the company to form campo santos went on to do firewatch which you know kind of speaks to the kind of brand of storytelling Mm -hmm. that telltale started to seed in 2012 with the walking dead see we didn't i don't think we knew this before we started looking into some of the resources and articles a little bit Mm -hmm. more about that but it completely makes sense that that would be them right i do oh guys please read this article uh it's on the verge it's called toxic management cost and award-winning game studio it's best developers megan frakamanesh am i saying that right i think so yeah right uh, wrote it. It is a very awesome article. It gives you a lot of insights to what like happened, and this wasn't even based around the closure that happened uh, last week. This was based around uh, the layoffs that happened last November, and kind of talked about the culture there. Crunch is a huge issue. Crunch is bad. A lot of these employees were on salary, and therefore weren't getting overtime for the time that they're fucking just soaking into these games. Mm-hmm. Put, 
pushing 80 hour weeks to the problem is with the success of the walking dead they started taking on these other licenses they started taking on more and more work i mean you and me were looking through their fucking wiki look uh, and seeing the different releases there's so much goddamn overlap well, between these games it seems like historically they've always done that like they've always kind of dual developed games across mm-hmm. a certain calendar year but it becomes more alarming when they're doing it with their bigger marquee titles like the fact that uh the walking dead overlapped with um i'm sorry rather the walking dead season two overlapped hard with the wolf among us mm-hmm. like that's i couldn't imagine the level of crunch that they had to to put in to get those games out in a successful manner not to mention the fact that they were doing it episodically right exactly that business model apparently was i won't say suspect because it's worked for other studios Mm -hmm. but the way that they were going about it was pretty rough i mean so from a consumer standpoint you have an announcement like hey we're doing a season of like walking dead or batman and there's no real promises behind it it's just kind of like hey the first episode will be out in march and who knows when episode two is going to be out Mm -hmm. because behind the scenes they're fucking scrambling in fact there's a lot of rotation with the different teams within uh telltale where it's like they would just throw headcount at stuff to just bang it out and that's not necessarily the right way to go about projects that's not a very structured way to go about it it seems very frantic and like okay well here we need more power here go there go do that more people doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get out faster in fact it just means anything needs time to bake Mm -hmm. you know and we were seeing the kind of consequences of that mythology i mean batman there's entire characters that weren't fucking showing up on the screen it was just like uh lips and eyes floating and stuff the bugs were very problematic I, i remember that and like like uh emily was saying we had we knew about it we couldn't do anything about it that's what it was that's how we were managed that's it's it's insane and it's a it's a sad state of affairs and especially uh bruner who wanted to be viewed as this fucking ken levine like auteur Mm -hmm. as the one who was responsible for walking dead when it was really these other devs Mm -hmm. you know they said that that was fucked up because it felt like at a certain point they weren't like making games that spoke to their taste they were making games that tailored to specifically bruner's ego art auteur mindset right you know and it's like dude i've heard of this a thousand times over in the world of project management it's like you need to let go of the reins and let your artist and your people work Mm -hmm. do their shit well you're not delegating appropriately at that point you're suffocating your own product for your own creative vision right and this article employees uh employees were saying that he was literally like needed final approval on everything down to the color of a wall in a game to ui choices like tutorial menus get the fuck out of here dude that's why you have teams like i i don't understand this but it's it it just kind of shows you like yeah they were probably on a bad path but it's still a shock to these people Mm -hmm. that that what I hated hearing the most from senior uh, employees was that when newcomers would come onto the scene, get employed by Telltale, they were, you know, fucking bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, excited to do it, and then they were used and abused. They were chewed up mm-hmm. and got burnt out wow. much sooner than they needed what to. What a disheartening thing to hear. Well, Telltale's story is not unique to them. Honestly... That's across the industry. It's across the yeah. industry. It's crunch culture is fucking awful culture. It's not worth it. One of the most heartbreaking so, statements from uh, Twitter, actually, was from former character artist Brandon Sabenka. He wrote that, None of my sleepless nights or long hours and weekends trying to ship a game on time got me severance today. Don't work overtime unless you're paid for it, y'all. Protect your health. Companies don't care about you. That is just so terribly powerful to hear. Um, 
this is why we need unions for devs and people in the industry to protect them when things like this happen because they're being pushed to crunch they're being burnt out and then when things like this happen when they wake up one day and they find out that they're being let go and they're not getting their health care or whatever their benefits were initially and just being they're thrown into the wild of like oh what do we do now like they need unions to protect them from things like this now there's no union there's uh no guarantee that uh-huh. unionization would actually you know prevent a studio closure no, but, it, but would... it would protect them where it would like soften the landing for yeah. them you know like guarantee severance pay guarantee that they can get unemployment and shit like that that's not what's happening for these people no some of these people moved across the country to work this job and some literally got onboarded a week ago to find this fucking news out it's crazy to me and to, to note, uh, that California area in specific is probably one of the most expensive areas you can mm-hmm. live in. To to go there, to work for a studio this large, and to be promised a paycheck only to be fired without notice. It's, it's like, insane. How are these people surviving? It's it's heartbreaking. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Like, despite its internal problems, despite some of the quality issues, Telltale was a unique voice. They mm-hmm. really... They really helped shape storytelling as we know it now, and and it's a recent development, 2012. But think of it this way. Walking Dead came out, normalized this kind of heavier emphasis on emotional storytelling, Mm -hmm. and then it paved the way for The Last of Us in 2013, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it just kept on going from there. It's not uncommon to see stories like uh, Gone Home or, or, you know, even uh, Firewatch, thanks to Telltale. It's, It's a huge legacy, and that's why people were fucking really bent out of shape about this, because why not? It hurts. This sucks. Well, I feel like between... Uh, the time of the first Bioshock and probably mid 2010s, that's when we're seeing this sort of height right, of the, the golden age of narrative storytelling. And for them to kind of be like one of the trailblazers of it in a very unique way was it was important and it was inspiring mm-hmm. and it, it led to some of our favorite games that we have now. Um, I want to ask, though, I know there are more testimonials that we want to get into, but um, do you think the episodic approach for Telltale was not so much a sustainable business model and that could have led to this collapse? So the the problem here is like, you know, just the scope of the projects that they're taking on at once, you yeah. know, getting the Marvel license for Guardians, trying to do a Batman game, trying to do Game of Thrones, trying mm-hmm. to do this, a lot of overlap between these games. Uh, and the issue with episodic release is that you're depending on money that's not up front. Mm-hmm. You know, you're saying we're going to have episode four. Well, maybe they don't buy the season pass up front. Maybe they're buying an episode a la carte. And so for, therefore that money is not coming your way. Yeah. And it's like you're on the hook to still make this game and allocate resources and headcount and pay people and make sure everything is on the level. That becomes difficult. It sounds like they got overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, The way that I kind of digested their games, I think, is endemic of what other players were doing. I know you have, too, where it's like, hey, I kind of like having this all at once. So I'm going to wait for, you know, the collection or the retail release when it's done. Uh, Yeah, most definitely. That's how I approached a lot of their games. Um, By the time I came around to The Walking Dead, I knew you were playing that kind of episode by episode which was kind of neat, but I waited for that to come out in one package. I was like, cool, this is how I want it. And I knew going further, like forward, I'm like, cool, now I'm caught up with Telltale's catalog. Mm -hmm. Maybe I will get them episode by episode, but I never did it. I always waited until it was a complete package or on sale, and that doesn't help them. I can only I can only speculate that that's probably a stretch on their finances to, yeah. to have players like us say, yeah, yeah, we love the work you're doing, but I'm not going to buy your shit until November. And it's like, oh, shit, we're in January. Mm-hmm. How do we fund what we're doing right now? Like, hopefully we can rely on the players that are up 
upfront season passing or you know i feel like the the worst players for them would be the a la carters yeah you know because you're not going to see their dollar until you finally get that product out like six months out Well, that's how it is for most games i'm not gonna buy like okay imagine final fantasy 15 they've released that game episodically i'm not gonna buy it that way i'm gonna buy it when it's complete and in a whole package that i can play in one sitting or feels like it needs to be um and i know their business model is a little different in how they release things Mm -hmm. episodically but like i don't buy half made games and that's not to say that like these products that they're putting out are half made but they're still in development when they're releasing yeah like they're they might have the through line of a narrative but they're still developing it as they go so Mm -hmm. yeah and they have to pay for that all the while so i've I don't think the business model is what like defeated them. I think it was taking on this much well, with that business the model. The licenses they have too, I imagine, are pretty expensive. Yeah. Like dude. to have Marvel, DC, <coughs> stuff from Image, um, what else did they have? Stranger Things, um, and then mm-hmm. Minecraft. So that's like five right there. It's uh, yeah, and then you know, Tales from the Borderlands, working with Gearbot. Like, yeah. It's a lot that you're on the hook for. Even uh, the Wolf Among Us. And uh, the article that Megan wrote that talked about the roughnesses of working with these uh, licensors that would have last minute requests because, like, they may not understand game development. Just be like, oh, yeah, make sure you add this character, and it'll be like, hey, we're supposed to ship in two weeks. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of struggles with working with licenses, and I'm sure it's even harder in the game or dev world. I know from one perspective, it's like, hey, it's easier to go after a license game because we have a set direction and foundation for what it kind of should be rather than making original ip mm-hmm. but you're still on the hook for the license yeah. and the contracts and the deals and all that shit i feel like they kind of hit this sort of catch-22 with themselves where it's like they wanted to tell a lot of stories but they needed the money to tell the stories so they were like okay we're gonna put out a lot of games but these games also cost money we're not making the money and it just became the cyclical thing where they were never catching up with the amount of money that they probably put into acquiring all these titles right i want to make one recommendation for you save roommates out there if there's any telltale games you're interested in i would snatch them up right the fuck now because i uh, let's think long game here if there isn't a entity i.e telltale to renegotiate contracts or even renegotiate distribution contracts when the time comes these games will begin to fade from marketplaces like Mm -hmm. we've seen with so many licensed games before in the past where suddenly they don't the rights lapse they can't issue this anymore you can't download it anymore we've had that happen remember turtles in time from ubisoft back in the day one day they were just like hey get it tonight because uh, once we pull it from the stores we are not re-releasing this that's going to happen to Telltale Games down the road because they're all associated with the license. Mm-hmm. Something to think about. I don't yeah, think that I don't think anyone's like mentioning it right now, but like I just want to let people know that's how it works. No, that's a very interesting point. Mm-hmm. So and I, I feel like a lot of people don't understand the licensing aspect of this either. They're like, "Well, the studio's closing down. I'm not getting the game I want. I'm not getting the game I want. I'm not getting my, <laughs> my dollars fulfilled." And it, they're not thinking of the why. And it's like, well, video game development is a very expensive process. No matter how you do it, whether you're developing a new IP or borrowed licenses or whatever the case is, it, there's a lot that goes into it. So I implore that people please look at it with uh, an open mind mm-hmm. and really do do more research on it because it's just not it's not as to the point of well. I don't get to see how Clementine's journey ends. It's, well, a lot of people's jobs just got lost. So let's shift the narrative on that a little more because I think that's more important. From some tweets that I've seen online, they wanted you to see that journey. Yeah. Even when Telltale was not treating these people right, they still love what they're doing and giving it to you and having mm-hmm. you experience it. And one person wrote, this was not the way that Clementine was supposed to die. 
Uh, and people are pissed. I get that people are pissed and people want to know what's going to happen what, and who's on the hook. And it's like, well, the, the entity that's on the hook is whatever's left of Telltale and mm-hmm. they're going to go away. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, we're going to see the seven stages of grief occur here. And, you know, people are going to be resistant at first before acceptance comes, you know, but and they're going to try to barter as well. Bartering is what's happening. They're asking these devs out here, like, finish the game. Do it out of the goodness of your heart. Band together. We'll do a Kickstarter. They have no say over this. Yeah, they no longer own the rights to work on these games. They no longer work for this company. <laughs> please, 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 please show some fucking respect. Yeah. Leave them alone. Get out of their mentions. This isn't time to ask them about these things. It's time for uh, studios like we previously mentioned like gorilla ubisoft other companies naughty other devs naughty dog to outreach and help these people get back on their feet i know it's not like their responsibility to do that but like it is tremendous and amazing to see them helping out in this way i really really wish the best for these employees that are suffering through this they're a talented group mm-hmm. and it's true if you're a studio out there you'd be foolish not to accept them with open arms they're great at what they did and we the proof is in the pudding. Those mm-hmm. games were great. I loved I even Batman was such a cool reboot yeah. of the mythos that took some risks. That just tells you like the kind of storyteller they go after. They're not afraid of taking a risk. Um, Wolf Among Us was fucking great. What a great reimagining of of the Fable series. Mm-hmm. Just everything they did. And Walking Dead, of course, is the creme de la creme. Walking Dead. I still think about how that story affected me. You know, and, and to to think back and be like, yeah, this is like one of the first to hit me mm-hmm. on that emotional level, whereas other games may not have kind of touched that. Now, well, I I do believe that was probably in my top five list of 2012. Like that game was a resounding success and really told such a cool offshoot story from one of my at times what was one of my favorite graphic novel series. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and even uh, Tales from the Borderland, I love that game. Yeah, that's some really, really unique. That, and that's special my moments. favorite Borderlands story, yep. bar none. Yep. Even the main Borderlands games do not have as good of a story as Tales does. That just, oh man, this is this is this sucks. This sucks a lot. I I just want to say thank you, thank you for the times you gave us. Mm-hmm. They were great. They really, really were. That's why we are mourning this. But I hope this is it isn't just about mourning. I hope it's more of a transitional period. You mm-hmm. guys get kind of scattered and seeded to other studios and do great fucking things i mean we already got evidence like firewatch or oxenfree which is developed by x telltale designers i want to see more of that maybe they get together do their own shit but right now i know they're suffering and it's hard to think about that just fucking breathe take it in do what you need to and i hope you move on i hope i hope you're ever to move on smoothly that's all we're definitely mourning a loss um telltale is a very important and special studio and the fact that they nailed the essence of some of our favorite ips with their own like thumbprint yeah is it's it's great um and yeah the the industry it's just we're, we're suffering a loss for sure yeah. so long telltale but let's switch gears daniel i think uh let's talk about some happier stuff uh including uh what what little chunks of plastic we're gonna buy uh come christmas we'll see <laughs> all right daniel shoo hey they shrunk the kids sony has unveiled the playstation classic a miniaturized version of the original playstation system first release in 1994 the mini console will come loaded with quote 20 of the best titles from a game-changing era end quote is 45 it's 45 percent teenier than the original system okay is equipped with an hdmi cable 
and features a virtual memory card to manage saves. Hmm. Oh, I'm going to miss slotting in that memory card. Yeah. Fuck. There's two original PlayStation controllers in box, and I do mean originals, as they are not the DualShock model that introduced okay. analog stick play. Okay, important notice. Only five of the purported 20 onboard games have been announced. They are as follows. Vinyl Fantasy the Seven. Jumping Flash, what the fuck is that? R4 Ridge Racer Type 4, in case you want to know what R4 meant, Tekken 3, and Wild Arms. Okay. The little gray boy will support AC USB adapters, such as the one your phone uses, but does not come with its own power source. Sony also confirmed it won't work with other PlayStation peripherals, new or old. The PlayStation Classic bundle is priced at $99 and will release December 3rd, which is the 24th anniversary of the original console's launch. Hmm. Daniel, do you want this fucking thing? I think, in essence, I want it, but I don't think I really want it. Is the thing I'm feeling that I'm yeah. feeling that down the roadiness of, with, with this thing on the, on the one it, it's a nice little tchotchke and it it's definitely dancing on my nostalgia mm-hmm. but I would much prefer those games to show up like on the PS4 yeah you know in some sort of like download service or backwards compatibility initiative whatever in it may fact be. I would love to see PlayStation work on the whole you know backward compatibility uh, endeavor and kind of expand into PS1 mm-hmm. games being available on the store okay well all right they had it there before like on PS3 P- well let's let's see like PS2 there was mm. backwards compatibility with PS1 PS3 had the classics collection where you could download those games PS4 kind of lost it for some reason I lost it for some what, what the fuck I don't know why now we have to buy a la carte remasters like Final Fantasy 7 and 9 on there and it's like come on dude I fucking you, you figured Mark Cerny with his infinite knowledge and power in this massive PS4 architecture could handle these games um, if Mark, if anyone can figure it out, it's Mark fucking Cerny, right. dude. He is like the house of video games. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> um, I think the idea is really interesting. The price point obviously is a little high for me at $100. Um, and the first five games really don't excite me. No. Is the problem. Isn't that fun? No, they don't. Yeah. We already have Final Fantasy VII. Like, I feel like the thunder was taken away because not only are we getting a full-fledged remake, the remaster's already on PlayStation Store, and it's coming to the Switch if you want to revisit it. Mm-hmm. So, Thunder, gone. Thundera is gone from that announcement. Jumping, what the fuck is Jumping Flash? I have no idea. Get the fuck out of here. R4, okay, we needed the racing game, but sure. it doesn't sound like the one that people want, which is Gran Turismo. Yeah. Okay. Which I don't doubt they'll put on there. Yeah. I salute you for Tekken 3. Mm-hmm. Wild Arms, good shit. That's that's a deep cut right there. Yeah. Not everybody knew about the Wild Arms. People cool do. RPG, a Western-based RPG. Yeah. I do mean like an old West. No, it has like yeah. so much critical acclaim. Right, and uh, doesn't have any horseball physics, but no. still still a contender. I'm sure there right. was a, a jagged polygon <laughs> in there. Now, it is a huge loss. The DualShock is not included. I'm sure they're trying to keep the cost yeah. down in some, but that already rules out like games like Ape Escape, man. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Which was what one of the fir- the first game to use the Dual Shock and the it joystick? was bundled. Yeah. It was bundled with that bad boy. So okay, we're going to Wikipedia, and we're gonna go through the top selling PlayStation games of all time. We're not gonna go through all all through hundred, but we're gonna cherry pick what we think should be on here and use this as a rubric. First of all, if you look at the top ten, all three Crash Bandicoot games are like the top ten best selling games of all time for the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So if there is not a Crash game. 
because of some sort of Activision licensing dispute, this thing is fucked out of the water. Okay. Um, yeah, licensing becomes a tricky thing, but I think the Activision uh, deal is more for the remaster and remake. Yeah, hopefully. So, hopefully. Um, so, I, I, in the least... It has to have Crash. Crash has to be on there. It's a requirement. Or at least Warped. Or Cortex right. Strikes Back. Like, one of them needs to be there. It's integral to what made PlayStation PlayStation. And, Crash and, was one of the first mascots. And to that point as well, yeah. Spyro. Spyro, yes. I don't care which one, but you probably need a Spyro on this bad boy to call it a PlayStation classic. I, I would agree. Um, in the, the vein of mascots, I feel like there needs to be at least one of the Tomb Raider games. Uh, yeah, undoubtedly. And I would my, my pick, and just going off of the top 10 best-selling games, mm-hmm. Tomb Raider 2. Tomb Raider 2 should be the one that's on there. I think that one has the most pull and love for it. And having sold 5.24 million copies. Yas. Yes. Yes. Now, I do want to make a point, and this is this is the thing. I don't think they're going to add any M-rated games on here. Because I feel like they're trying to go after the same market that the Nintendo did with the NES Classic and the uh, SNES Classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, SNES motherfuckers. Um... I okay, so some of these M-rated games are fucking intrinsic to the PlayStation brand. They really are, and people are gonna cry when they're not there. People are gonna fucking cry if Metal Gear Solid's not on this, right? Thing. If Silent Hill's not on there, if Resident Evil's not on there, yeah. Um, Resident Evil Two would be my first pick. I would settle for director's cut of the part one mm-hmm. of the part one, part one. And then, like I said earlier, one point five as the Star Fox Two inclusion. That'd be cool, like a twenty-first game. Yeah, never before released. <laughs> the, the thing is, this needs to be a high-selling item. Come. Um, holidays because I imagine manufacturing of it isn't the cheapest thing and they need to ship units. So yeah. the best way to do that is to make it like your your highest grade in terms of rating would be T games. That's going to sell the most. That's going to commercially break. Um, I know. But like and we didn't have this problem with the NES and SNES because there weren't really M-rated games there. Most the, of those can be considered family games. I mean, the games on the NES Classic were released before the ESRB was established. Yeah. What you said was 91 with Mortal Kombat. 91, 92 because of Mortal Kombat yeah. and a lot of the uh, controversy surrounding violence in okay. video games. Little nugget of history so we didn't from have favorite boys. You and me. Daniel, I love you. I love you too, Kevin. No problem, buddy. That's great. Yeah. Sorry, I just decided to make a song for you. That's great. You know what? If That's I lo- great. <laughs> if I loved you enough and had the power to, I would give you the, the, the trinket and do something with Gex, but I can't. Thank you for bringing me to this discussion. I can't. Before, the, before anybody was raiding tombs. Well, actually, I think it was simultaneously. But before the rebooted Tomb Raider games, Crystal Dynamics had an amazing title to their name. Mm-hmm. It was the second Gex title, the first 3D platformer in the series. Gex entered the gecko. You need... Man, come, Shuhei, come I'm, here. Shuhei, get, here with you, get Shuhei. close to the speaker, Shuhei. Shuhei. Gex entered the gecko needs to be <laughs> a part of the twenty. It has to. Shuei, don't walk away. <laughs> when you walk away. <laughs> when you say. <laughs> no, for real shit, I'd be so happy if Gex was on there. Holy fuck. Okay, looking through the... What about Medieval? Medieval would be a big one, and I think that would help launch the initiative of the remake that they're doing. Surprisingly, Medieval doesn't... I'm not seeing it like in the top... 10 anywhere let me do a control find on this shit where yeah. are you medieval it's, it feels like it's down towards the bottom of the list uh bug's life is probably beating it out somehow it's like medieval right no yeah. i'm not i'm not seeing anything wow oh wow dude are these just titles that have broken a million units yeah basically so so medieval never sold that well <laughs> what? I, I guess not 
Holy shit, dude. The last title on here having shipped a million units. I am shocked. Uh, as of March 2007, um, WCW slash NWO Thunder. Sounds like a cult hit instead. Uh, oh, yeah. You think they're going to put a wrestling game on there? Honestly, I hope they at least put one of the SmackDown games on there. Because like, that was intrinsic for me as a PlayStation uh, player back in the day, having that SmackDown game. I would say fucking don't even launch it if you don't have a Twisted Metal game on there, specifically too. Yeah. But that was M-rated, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so too. So we're getting into it. Like, I feel like they need to open up the floodgates to M-rated games. You need to have one Resident Evil on there, and I do mean part two. Come on. That's fucking... That is brand synergy with the remake coming out in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to have... I would make an argument for Dino Crisis all fucking day. I would too. I would be okay with its omission. I understand. But you should do it. Siphon Filter. People like that game. Splinter Cell fucking squash that series. But, but, you know, time and place. Okay? What, what else we got in this list? Uh, I don't think they're going to do more than one Final Fantasy. So 9 might get the oust. Which is um, kind of unfortunate. Uh, I, but granted, they just did kind of remaster it. But that was like one of the last Hallmark games that before we transitioned to the PS2. Right. So Parappa. I think Parappa is probably a good chance of being on there. Got to be on this little um, gray boy. We're, not, we're probably not going to get Twisted Metal. But I imagine we might get like Crash Team Racing. I, I don't, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. That was a big seller. It was. Fucking Tim Gettys purports that it is better than Mario Kart. Well. Let's see how that stacks so up against Diddy Kong event. Racing, let me tell uh, you what. Mario Kart 64 on the bottom, Crash Team Racing, and then Diddy Kong Racing. Diddy Kong 64. Racing is the, the king, king of all <laughs> kart <laughs> games. Um, ooh, 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 Driver. Not too familiar with that one. I would pick Driver 2, because that's the one that lets you get out of your car, where you ooh. look at your ugly man. That's cool. <laughs> and you went to Havana. And drove some fucking uh, 50s cars. It was great. Hmm. So, Gots to have driver. That's right, prob- T. Do it. Probably no chance of Grand Theft Auto games, right? Oh, my dog. Oh. oh, but that's a part of my PlayStation. Dude, I loved Grand Theft Auto 1 and, is, and specifically Part 2. Part 2 was so cool. It was mm-hmm. the top down view. It was, um, you know what I found out? The, the devs for the first two, it was, uh, what was their name? ANA Interactive or whatever. They worked on Blast Core. Did they really? Yeah, and you can hmm. see some DNA of uh, Blast Core in the GTA games for PlayStation. Interesting. Thank you for, what's his name? Brandon Jones of Easy Allies for pointing that out. Oh, yeah, on the, one yeah, of the yeah, latest yeah. Game Sailies. I think it was him. It was somebody. Anyway. Uh, no, it wasn't him. It was somebody from GameSpot. Whatever. We, we're going to give Easy Allies a shout out anyway. <laughs> now, what else would you petition for on here? Uh, we, we talked about this before. I would petition hard for a Tony Hawk Pro Skater, but there's a lot of reasons that probably won't so happen. There's so many reasons why it could not happen because uh, of the music. So much licensed music in that game. And if they were to take it out, it wouldn't be the same experience. Like, I have so many fond memories of being in middle school and just playing that game and getting down to, like... God. Oh, my God. You know what I used to do? Uh, it was part two, right, that had uh, Rage Against the Machine? Yep. So the intro with Gorilla Radio, I would fucking have that on loop, son. Wow. We were talking a little bit about it. We'll get into it. I want to talk about Game Shark at a different point on this show in much more vivid detail. But I had a Game Shark, and what it did for the PlayStation was you would put the disc in, and it would allow you to actually... Um, uh, individually watch every FMV that was coded on a disc and then listen to each like song on the game. And so I would just like watch the fucking intro with Gorilla Radio. That's actually really <laughs> cool. I remember that. Yeah. I remember distinctly that so, thing happening. If uh, you want to talk about fucking like game changers, Sony, you got to you got to fucking move a mountain for here, Tony Hawk. I want to find something real quick. Please. I don't know why it's not coming up. Please, Tony Hawk. Now my question to you is 
one or two? Hmm. Tony Hawk one or Tony Hawk two? It's like an eye exam. Tony Hawk one. Tony Hawk two. Tony Hawk one had Burnside, right? <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Tony Hawk one or or Tony Hawk two. Well, Tony Hawk one had Superman. Tony Jerry was a race Hawk car driver. One. You know what Tony Hawk two had? Hmm. Spider Man is a playable character. It did. That would take the cake. You think they'll get Spider-Man back in it? Probably do it. not. Uh. Oh, that's a good question, too. What about the original Spider-Man? Sony, if you want to have some real marketing synergy, have the original PS1 Spider-Man on that bad yeah, boy. Yeah, with all the fervor for the newest PS4 one, that would... I would replay that game. Yeah? I would replay that game. I would. Um, I'll give it to you. It's, it's probably going to have to be Tony Hawk 2. Jet Moto? You think we're going to get some fucking throwaway racing games we don't care about? Jet Moto? At least one. Well, they're packing in two controllers, so you have to figure they're going to probably push for a more multiplayer experience. You want to you wanna really, like, Final Fantasy VII is going for the cheap seats when it comes to JRPGs, mm-hmm. but if you add Legend of Dragoon, you're going to make some nerds real happy. Yep. Real. Ha- I would respect that move like a motherfucker. <laughs> the art style in that game is beautiful, dog. Yeah, from what I remember it being. What um, about... What about madden <laughs> you think they'll madden add a sports 99. game you think they'll add a sports game that isn't cool borders i hope not i feel like it's a waste if they add cool borders too you can play as claire redfield and leon kennedy snowboarding really? down a mountain that's kind of neat yep fun fact listen they need to cool down somehow i am the sherpa of resident evil oddity news and fucking trivia hey we need somebody for that it's sure as hell not me it's me capcom uh do you think we're gonna get a rayman game no no you don't think so no i don't think so okay i bet you even ubisoft was like hey you can do it and someone's like we'll get back to you on that one there sorry eves eves goldman two major three <laughs> two major three probably yeah no cool slouch players. with 3.5 million sales i really though. hope they don't give us these like cheap ones like give like giving us monopoly or like the namkai bando <laughs> bando namkai museum games like yeah don't give us that like give us like full experiences i feel like you need to have a capcom fighter representative mm-hmm. uh street fighter alpha 3 would be my top okay. pick for that one how hard is that gonna be they you know they just circulated the collection with every street fighter on it do it man Speaking of RPGs... NASCAR 99, that needs to be on there. Not an RPG. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're into racing. Uh, Xenogear would be a big one. Oh, shit. Yeah, Yeah. dude. I don't see it on the top 100 list, though. It didn't sell that No, no, it's it's there. It is there? Yeah, it's towards the bottom, unfortunately. Oh. Final Fantasy Tactics. Is there time in the sun for it? I hope so, because... Would you fight for it? I would. Because Final Fantasy Tactics is probably one of the best Final Fantasies that nobody's playing. Mm. Um, it's just a great like strategy game <laughs> i love it man fuck it they're just gonna give us Yu-Gi-Oh! forbidden memories and then everybody golf and mm-hmm. then we're gonna be like Ugh. so for you let me Crash ask bash. You, what what <laughs> if what? they announced two games that could sell you on this hundred dollar retro console oh what would God. it have to be final fantasy 8 okay uh and resident evil 2 Okay, well, based off of what we've already discussed, licensing and music Mm -hmm. and rating, you're probably not going to get either of them. But if you could get them. (laughs) I hate these parameters already. I hate it. You can't choose an M-rated game and no custom tracks. Here's the thing. It's a lot of speculation at this point because we've only gotten five of 20 games announced. So we're just kind of knowing and using what we know of the industry to determine what could be on there Mm -hmm. and what might not be on there. 
I know. And why wouldn't you just tell us to full list at once? I hate that they're making like this thing. Like we're just having internal strife over like what's going to be on there. We're like, I'm already gearing myself up for a disappointment based off of the initial five. And I, I don't feel like that's the right messaging to, to fucking come out ahead with. Uh, yeah. I think they need to really with each batch of five ramp up the expectation. more. Ugh, don't more. even, don't even do that. Yeah. Just fucking announce them all at once. No, so they're going to do this fucking Shuhei's going to come out and do a weekly direct, essentially like a Sony direct. And like, cool. Here's the next five. It's just, it's just kind of cheap. Cause they're just like, Oh, you hope gotta, you like virtual tennis. Whatever. <laughs> I think, okay. So one thing that I think we're, uh, nobody's really thinking about or disregarding is that this was an awkward era for 3d games in particular. Mm-hmm. We're going to see some ugly motherfucking games on this system. I think a lot of us are going to be pretty goddamn shocked where we go like, dude, why is everything made out of like fucking like jagged edges and blocks? Right. Well, for as much as we revere that era of gaming like PS1 and N64 and Dreamcast, like some of the ugliest games happened then. Yeah, really dude. Like so, some games like the art style holds up, but I don't know, man. I don't know. Some of these things are going to look butt fucking ugly. They're going to be packing polygons, though. Oh Jesus! Everything's like sharp and and like and oh. then like the, the textures that are derezzed as well, like people's face. Like I, I remember playing Resident Evil Two a little while ago, like the original, mm-hmm. and it looks like the faces are just kind of like smudged oh, with God. with your thumb. <laughs> like Leon's face looks like somebody thumbed him by accident. <laughs> Could you imagine? Some, I imagine somebody's gonna find a way to mod and add on their VR peripheral yeah. to this, and they're probably gonna get that jaggedness like real up close. Oh, for sure they are. Also, uh, stemming from this news, we've heard that a uh, a EU IPO trademark filing for a Nintendo sixty four controllers was actually approved very recently, mm. which hints that Nintendo's definitely planning on doing a classic edition of the N sixty four, which is kind of inevitable. They were making those steps, like okay, right. we had the SNES. What was the next logical step? Obviously, the N sixty four. Obviously, the N sixty four, and I I don't know, man. It's like. Are we are we down with this? I feel like this one's going to be similar in price because it's like if they're going to bundle two of those big old N64 controllers in there, it's going to be a hundred dollar box. Man. Probably. Oh well, I feel like we're going to see this escalation point with retro systems where it's like if they ever did a PS2 one or a Dreamcast mm, one or a GameCube like one, hundred fifty like, for yeah. it or some shit like, like that. One twenty to one fifty because yeah. like after a while the peripherals and packaging gets more expensive. There's a lot of garbage on PS2. Mm-hmm. I, I I know there's a, a lot of great games. Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of goddamn garbage on PS2. I'm almost afraid for what that list of twenty looks like. God. If you put the bouncer on there, that's five minutes of gameplay. <laughs> 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 like I'm interested. I'm actually I lean more towards the N64 because of that multiplayer experience. Because mm-hmm. I could think of like a lot of fun games that we could be playing, like the original Smash. Yeah. When I think of uh, Mario Kart, Diddy Kong Racing, I might be on the outside of this, but when I think of PlayStation, like the original one, I don't think a multiplayer game is really unless like yeah. i'm thinking of like their racing games whereas n64 you had the four controllers that was like the ultimate party system for me right like mario party mario kart racing diddy kong pokemon stadium like how do you solve for that because it's like or right, if it's gonna be a mini console you're already like can you actually implement four controller ports without like making it bigger or without like ruining something of like aesthetic unless they add like an extension to like it. a multi-tap yeah like a multi-tap that's what playstation had to do a multi-tap huh. oh that's an interesting point yeah. well because i feel like if you're gonna we're getting complicated now at if this it's point. not gonna have cartridges and it's gonna have the emulation chip essentially it's gonna have to be it's gonna be smaller so yeah we probably only are gonna get two ports and mm-hmm. then that add-on 
the 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 fucked up part of this is like um again if you want to go to like a progress pro, uh, sorry a program management standpoint is that this is like a short term thing these mini consoles because like the long play would be to implement N64 games on the Switch and through that online mm-hmm. ecosystem and vice versa on PlayStation to make sure that we have onboard more PS1 classics to kind of guarantee their continuity. But we're not doing that. We're isolating them on these little fucking plastic hunks of, you know, which parent attractors. Like, <laughs> it's a cool novelty idea. Don't get me wrong. And I think that's why people are going to jump at this, especially yeah. during the holidays, because not everybody kitsch of it. Not everybody has been a long term retained gamer like we have. We've mm-hmm. seen generations of consoles where some people might have jumped off around the N64 oh, or, that's a fair point. or GameCube. So it's more for, I feel like, these older generations who want that and want to be able to share it and show it to their kids yeah we, um, we might be like grabbing a, a potential customer that has totally walked away from gaming and seeing this ugly little box miniaturized yeah. is exactly what they want for a hundred dollars to be like fuck yeah it speaks to them right but otherwise I, I, I get it you know i think putting it on <clears throat> your systems in other ways like downloadable ways like having ps1 classics or n64 games on a virtual console that's so much cheaper that's the greater you good don't in have my to mind. worry about manufacturing anything it's the greater good and that way you don't do any of that stupid uh artificial demand Mm -hmm. or this withholding of the full list of 20 release pre-orders but not tell you every game that's going to be on there uh that's a fuck you but here's the thing they know people will do it they know people are going to buy this so they can get away with doing stuff like that i don't think i'm gonna get it this is exactly calling all roommates calling all friends of kevin this is exactly what you can buy me for christmas this is not something i will go after myself Mm -hmm. i'm letting people know typically i go after and buy what i want that's why it's difficult to shop for me this is the one (laughs) thing i will refrain from getting and it would be actually pretty cute if we both accidentally get ourselves some playstation classic or if they release like variant colors and i get you a red one that's the one thing dude I would much have preferred a mini version of the PS1, the actual Slim edition that they did. Oh, that, yeah, that was good. It was sleek. It's sleek. It's a good-looking console. Plus, DualShock all the way, you some bitches. Come on. Or at least let me use retro DualShocks. They said, yeah, you can't use even, like, live DualShocks. What the fuck, Sony? Nope. Sony. Shuhei, what are you doing in the lab, in the R&D sector? It's interesting. I think they're trying to catch some of Nintendo's... uh, They're just trying to capture the idea of a a nostalgic um, novelty item that people will really want. Yeah. Um, So it's supposed to come out for the holidays, essentially? December 3rd. So I'm sure we're going to hear more about it in the coming months. Um, I'd be shocked if we didn't hear more about it at PSX. So... I would guarantee PSX will be after that release. So we'll know the final 20 before then. I thought about that too. It was like, maybe they'll release the rest of them there. Like, no, they're not going to do that. Well, this is slated for what? December 3rd. PSX is typically uh, around like gotcha. 10th. Okay, 10th I thought so. it was more close to um, like the 24th or the holidays. Nah, December 3rd because they're going for that anniversary date. Because that, that's the original release of the PlayStation in Japan okay. in 1994. Cool. That's a fun fact for you. Yeah, you had yeah. it on the dock. Daniel, I'm hungry. You're hungry, boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you want to sound this thing off? We got to sound this thing off. Okay. Okay, housekeeping time. Hey, guys, thank you so much for your ears once again. You can find us, uh, well, you might know already, on SoundCloud.com slash The Safe Room Show. Awesome. That's our home. That's our host. But we're also on Google Play. We're on iTunes and we would really appreciate if you just, you know, leave a rating, leave a comment, even if you have to say something stupid, mm-hmm. like, oh, how short is your hair, Daniel? Yeah. Just fucking do it, man. Love if you it. even make it this far to know that we need comments and ratings to survive on there, please help us out. Like, even if you don't like our shit, just give us a four star, you know, right. increase and our visibility a little bit. It, just a t- bit, yeah. like, like almost 
like 45 percent more mm-hmm. <laughs> you can also find us on stitcher and other rs feeds um that's in the audio department if you want to see some visuals if you want to see your hard boys live you can catch kevin over what? at uh, twitch.tv slash the red herb <laughs> he's been doing a lot of tomb raider a lot of tomb challenges and he like we said earlier he was doing his resident evil 4 stream I'm just starting my resident Evil 4 stream and it's probably all resident evil all the way down kids yep. because we're getting into october and i only want to stream spooky games we do have like an idea to kind of like exclusively stream horror games in we should play dead by daylight we, we should oh, I'm sorry. oh yeah because we we got it for free last yeah week. yeah yeah so. you got it for free i bought it literally a month before it became a ps plus game sucker i know i absolutely am but then again you know supporting that studio that's <laughs> true and you can find me over uh, at yeah. uh, twitch.tv slash dungeons and daniels i haven't really been streaming much lately but hopefully i'll be getting back into it get back into it dude gotta get back into it man also if you want to interact with us in real time and see our stupid tweets and whatnot you can find us on twitter at save room show uh appreciate your feedback appreciate you just to drop by and be like hey dudes you fucking spiked the levels when i was driving and i flipped my suv i love you guys keep on doing what you do damn near killed my kid and fucking ruined the eggs <laughs> Or if you want to hear us talk about Noby Noby Boy from time to time, I'm bringing that back pretty hard for Halloween. I don't think anybody don't wants to it. hear about that. Don't worry Nobody about it. Cares. Everyone wants to hear about it. Everyone wants to hear. You know that would be actually if you want to sell me on a PlayStation Classic, <laughs> somehow Noby Noby Boy like is on there. A D res version of it. <laughs> exactly. <That'd> be interesting. <laughs> put, put, like tailored for that fucking stickless controller, the impossible feat made possible. No, it hinges on the twin stick. D res Last of Us. <laughs> put halo one on there god damn it (laughs) we thank you guys as always for listening we appreciate the shit out of you love you love you and always please remember to save your games with that virtual memory on board oh yeah cloud save your games probably has a three inch fucking uh uh cord for the controllers about as big as trump's dick (laughs) ha (laughs) ha